she? Who is she? Who is she? Where did you find her? Feel the venom pouring out of me as I breathe. <sighs> ah, listen, living, listening to Synchronon. Sick and wrong. Yes, you listen to Synchronon. The Sick and Wrong, the world source for antisocial commentary. Scumbags. Good evening. Welcome to Sick and Wrong, the world's source for antisocial commentary. I'm one of your hosts, D. Simon. Hey, though, demons. It's me, your boy, Kate Rambo. Kate, you sound rather chipper for someone who's grieving. <laughs> Am I grieving the loss? Yeah, like how is uh, how is the grieving process? Oh, I know. He's, yes, um, finding out that Nikki Graham has died is a delta blue to me. Not the other guy, just Nikki Graham. I care about Nikki Graham, not the other guy. I'm talking Prince Philip. You're not mourning Prince Philip? No, I'm mourning Nikki Graham. May she rest in peace. It is always cold in here. I agree with her. I am. I'm in mourning. Prince Philip was my mourning? favorite. He was my favorite royal. He's got. He had to have been the most popular royal, isn't he? Uh, the most popular royal? No, the most popular royal is the really dead Princess Diana. She was the uh, the people's princess, much like how the Rock is the the people's champ. You know, I'm kind of stunned by this. I thought for sure that Prince Philip was the most popular royal. I mean, he's my favorite royal. Always of course, has he been. would be your favorite. Yeah, I can see why he would be your favorite. You probably agree with a lot, a lot of the remarks that he has well, made okay. throughout the Prince, time. Prince Charles, lame. Harry and William suck. They're so fucking boring. I'm going to miss, and maybe I'm in the minority here, but I'm going to miss Prince Philip's great wit and his keen <laughs> observational humor. Yes, I'm sure you probably have a little list, do you, of all his keen, <laughs> keen wit? And- I'm just saying he, he had comedic timing, and I can't say that for many other royals. They're, they take That's themselves so seriously. They do, yes. You know? Um, you know, in 2011, uh, then Prime Minister David Cameron uh, remarked about Philip's wit, saying humor is a great part of British life, and we thank the Duke for his unique contribution. So there okay. you go. You know? Yeah, David Cameron, who shagged a pig's head. <laughs> <laughs> but Never um, forget. But uh, some people claim that some of Philip's comments... Um, kind of had hints of casual racism maybe went a little too far you think so i mean did, did you feel that way like what, what was oh, your sentiment on prince philip well to be fair i hate all the royals and i think they should all be chucked into like a cauldron of burning oil and just like left to it um, it was like you know when the whole megan thing came out and she was like oh there were the, you know there were some comments made about the baby's skin color it's like we all know who said that <laughs> we all know you don't even have to to who even said that and you know that it was the zombie prince philip that's another thing i liked about him he just looked like the walking dead i mean oh he what, looks what was like he, 180 he looks like one of the like the humanoids of fallout 4 he totally looked like one of them <laughs> his skin was like translucent like you could see oh. the veins 
I reckon he's been dead for some time and they just like taxidermied him and they've just been wheeling him out to press events. Because a couple of weeks back, it was like he was outside the palace and everyone was like, Prince Philip is looking so healthy. And I was like, what? He's looking healthy like he's Stonehenge. <laughs> like a millennia old. Well, I don't know. How many other English people look healthy? Hey, you're half English. Are you talking about yourself? <laughs> so uh, I'm just going to list some of my uh, favorite gaffes, some of the highlights of Prince Philip gaffes here. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, during a royal visit to China in 1986. China. Say so yeah, like Trump. China. Philip described Beijing as ghastly. And then he told British students, if you stay here much longer, you'll all be slitty-eyed. <laughs> that was 1986. I can understand. I mean, he's like 130 okay, years old. If he said this in like 1952, I'd be yeah. like, well, it's not, you know, it's, it's probably What's not the most appropriate thing to say. But uh, like a... this is 1986. Yeah. I was one years old in, in that, and it probably explains growing up hearing stuff like that, why I am the way I am today. I he am then, what I am. He then threw in another quip here. If it has four <sighs> legs and it's not a chair, has wings and is not an aeroplane, or swims and is not a submarine, the Cantonese will eat it. He predicted the COVID. <laughs> he predicted it. He's a scientist. And he did. Um, yeah. This is a great one. And actually, I think, I don't know, I think there's some truth to this one, but 1995... Um, he asked a driving instructor in Scotland, how do you keep the natives off the booze long enough to pass the test? That's very true. It's funny because it's true. It is very true. Yep. Um, I agree. In the mid-1990s, there was a a, uh, vociferous debate over gun control um, because of a Dunblane primary school shooting in Scotland left 16 dead. And uh, Prince Philip weighed in, surprisingly. (laughs) He said, oh if a cricketer, for instance, suddenly decided to go into a school and go into a school and batter a lot of people to death with a cricket bat, which you could do very easily, are you going <laughs> to ban cricket bats? You know, oh, wow. <laughs> which you could do very easily. I think fucking Prince Philip. It's a lot easier to murder someone with a gun than a cricket bat. I gotta say, he sounds—he sounds like a GOP senator, though, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> Are we going to ban the cricket bats? <laughs> this is a great idiot. one too. Uh, this is a famous one, and uh, he was talking to a British student in 1998, mind you. This was not long ago. Um, okay. I think he was like 110 then. But uh, he was talking to a British student who had been trekking through Papua New Guinea, and he asked him, "You managed not to get eaten then, because you know they—they they used to." You know, per, yeah, well, be cannibals. cannibalism, but that was like what, in like the 1700s? We were aware of that though, Prince Philip. <laughs> what is he like? <laughs> 2002, he asked uh, a number of uh, notable uh, Australian Aborigines, Do you still throw spears at each other? Brilliant. <laughs> oh <my God>. Brilliant. <laughs> Just the, the, the timing's so great. Um, <laughs> I like, and a year later, so that was 2002, 2003, I don't know why. They bring his withered husk what? out to these public <laughs> events. Um, but a year later, the Queen and Prince Philip went to uh, open the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting in Nigeria. And uh, it was the Queen's visit, like first visit to Nigeria in 47 years. Oh, my word. Yeah. Greeted by Nigeria's then president, uh, Olusegon Obasanjo, who is wearing the traditional robes of oh, Nigerian no. royalty. Philip looked at him and said, you look like you're ready for bed. 
<laughs> I just wonder, like, what was the queen's response to this? Does she just roll her eyes and just ignore oh, it? I bet she fucking... I bet she would always give him a warning in the car as well. Don't say anything fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> you just know he's going to say it. You're I bet you... I bet you she sodomizes him with that scepter later, don't you think? Yeah, do you think she pegs him? I think so. Teach you. That's probably how he died. Yeah, internal injuries, like Michael Barrymore killing that lad in his pool. That's totally how Prince Philip died. In 2009, at a Buckingham Palace reception to honor 400 influential British Indians, he uh, told an executive named Atul Patel, there's a lot of your family here tonight. After seeing his name badge, Patel. Oh my it's, God. It's, <laughs> such a common name. <laughs> Aren't you going to miss That's what I'm saying. I'm going to miss that. He's my favorite royal. Um, yeah, I'm not really going to miss that at all. I'm not going to miss <laughs> my tax money paying him to make these fucking comments at these people. Your tax money keeping him alive? He's like a mummy. It, yeah, I know. Well, I was a bit gutted because I heard when the queen dies, we all get a paid day off work. And I thought it'd be maybe the same for Prince Philip, seeing as he is the king, but it's not true. So now I just fucking am back to hating him. Uh, Frederick jo- Joseph here, an American writer who wrote a book about his experiences with racism, said many of the same people who are having conversations about Prince Philip's history of racism and colonialism are now saying we should also mourn him. Yeah, I can and, see that. Yeah, an Egyptian, um, an American Egyptian, uh, Mona Elthaway. Uh, called the blanket news coverage of his death ridiculous, saying he belonged to an institution which colonized and pillaged so extensively. He did. Also, <laughs> isn't he related to the Queen as well? Are they casually related to each other? I thought all sure the royals are. are related. Yeah, fuck it. They're all inbred, bloody idiots. I don't but... know. I, you know, I think, like me and most of our listeners here, um, I'm sure you wish you could go back in time somehow and experience firsthand these awkward racist moments just again and again. You know, I mean, it's maybe not be there physically, but maybe if there was a way you could remote view or astrally project yourself into through time, you know, through the space time continuum and watch this and experience some of these racist moments. Very well, well done on the segue there. I, it was I saw good? how you got there. Yeah, you you, proje- you projected yourself there. I did. I saw it. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. We're going to teach people how to do just that in today's uh, show. You know, a lot of people, when they hear the show, you know, they turn it off after five minutes. And they dismiss the podcast as being offensive tripe or boorish claptrap. I've heard that a few times. Uh, you know, and that's often the case. Quite often, usually, it is boorish claptrap. But sometimes, we can be educational. And after listening to an episode... Our listeners will take out their earbuds and grin, knowing that they learned something today. I mean, you know, is that true? Yeah, we're going to be schooling some people today, taking them to school on a Sunday. Well, that's what I'm saying. This is going to be one of those episodes. We're going to teach you how to astrally project so you can enjoy some of uh, Philip's racist comments. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's all kind of based on a uh, discussion here of Project Stargate. Well, I love saying that, Project Stargate. It's just so cool, isn't it? It is a Yeah, that was a U.S. Army-funded astral projection and hypnosis research uh, training program for psychic soldiers. 
Like th- awesome. that was the that was the, uh, the 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 weird thing too. Like during the Cold War, all the way up until the eighties, the CIA was like exploring psychic research and using it to try to make like psychic soldiers. Well, so did the Nazis. The Nazis did something very similar to this. So is it not just an extension of maybe Operation Paperclip became this? Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure there might it might be similar, but here, I mean, well. Here they were actually trying to to engage in remote viewing. I don't know if the Nazis were doing that. Maybe. Yeah, they were into like psychic soldiers, but they probably, you know, they were spending their money on concentration camps and yeah, not on and, and Project they're doing Stargate. Like, brutal experiments to humans. Um, whereas, like here, I mean, maybe they're trying to make cows have heart attacks by staring at them or the goats. <laughs> I make a reference to that movie, Men Who Stare at Goats. But they, actually, that, mo- that movie, Men Who Stare at Goats, is based on this project, Project Stargate. Um, so during the Cold War, the CIA conducted uh, several experimental programs involving the human psyche. Um, one of the most famous, which we've mentioned here on the show, is MKUltra. But it was also yeah. one of the, probably the most malevolent program that they did, aimed at mind control using drugs and other techniques for torture and interrogation. Um, and that that's... You know, when they used LSD um, surreptitiously on their subjects to turn them into robot agents. Um, but then, yeah, and that, and that program, they tried to cover that up and, you know, they're obviously uh, ridiculed and disparaged for that. But some of these other pro- programs, like Project Stargate, I mean, it wasn't, I don't, I don't think there was really malevolent intent. I don't think it had any lasting damage on any of the subjects, but it was like, it was interesting. I mean, so Project Stargate, they actually trained operatives in astral projection and remote viewing. These are psychic abilities that allow for perception. And if well-practiced, the ability for your astral body to travel anywhere through the astral pr- planes, like including distant planets and through, through uh, you know, space and time, like the future and to the past. Um, oh, well, this is like already so many Christopher Nolan films. Oh, oh, no, totally. I mean, you had Men and Stare at Goats. You had the movie Stargate. Remember that with Kurt Russell? I do, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, Interstellar, same kind of deal. Astral projection is mostly interchangeable with the psychophysical phenomena of an OBE or an out-of-body experience. Um, and remote viewing is similar to astral projection as well. Um, and with the right guidance and technologies, astral projectors believe that we can train our consciousness to move beyond the confines of the space-time dimension. So people who are experienced at, at being an astral projector um, have a, like a superhuman ability to free their human mind to travel through the universe, you know, not hindered by, by time. This know, is what I got told the first time I took acid. This is totally what my dealer told me. Yeah, the same just speech. Like, word for word. Down, put Blue Oyster Cold on, and just dude. feel the music. Yeah, um, dude. Remote viewing is sometimes referred to as natural projection or soul travel. A remote viewer is said to have the ability to give information about an object or a person in a far-off location, which is why the CIA was interested in this. They thought this was a way they could spy on the Soviets. Oh, they were obsessed with, with spying, weren't they? They were turning pigeons into their spies. If they could have, make anything into a spy, the CIA was all about it. Yeah, they were even trying to use, like, kittens at yeah. one point. Like, put, yeah, like putting, like, kittens. speakers and microphones in, like, a little kitten. It didn't yeah. work out very well. 
Uh, but the U.S. Army was a very interested in psychic experimentation from the late 70s all the way through the 80s, and it and paid for intelligence officers to go on these week-long excursions uh, to um, institutes specializing in uh, OBEs and astral projection and other psychic phenomena. Um, this, the, the main program that's, that Project Stargate grew out of uh, was called Project Center Lane. Um, and this is like to determine, the, the point of it, the objective here is to determine uh, the use of psychoenergetic phenomena in the intelligence field. So intelligence gathering using psychic abilities. And the only reason okay. anyone knows about this uh, is because these documents were declassified. These CIA documents were declassified in like 2001. And so yeah. now they just don't care who finds out about it. Like, and a lot of the uh, test subjects, the soldiers that participated, will like openly discuss like what went on, and it's fine. I bet it We're, was a very relaxing time. To be you know, fair, I would have rather done that than boot camp. I mean, why not? Yeah, you know? I bet there's a lot of sleeping going on. Yeah, I think I mean, you're probably relaxing. You're probably in one of those like sensory deprivation booths. You know, it's probably you're listening to like Enya and relaxing music. See, no, 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 not Enigma. Enya. <laughs> no, that's when it becomes torture, when they're putting the Enya on. Yeah, it probably is. Um, so in June 1983, Army Commander Wayne M. McDonnell uh, was asked to give his commander an assessment of the psychic services provided by the Monroe Institute, which was a nonprofit organization focused on treatments designed to expand a person's consciousness. Um, here, here's the Mon Monroe Institute, much like Xavier's, you know, mansion and the, and the yeah. X-Men, the X-Men, uh, university slash mansion. It's very similar. And, it does. Uh, it looks exactly like that. Yeah. And it, it was, uh, founded by Bob Monroe, uh, who is a radio broadcasting executive who became known for his research into altered consciousness and founding the Monroe Institute. Um, he wrote a book in 1971 called journeys out of the body and that's that's where the term out, out of body experience obe came from and in fact the simpsons based the character of dr marvin monroe on bob yeah. here remember <laughs> do you remember that it was one of the earliest episodes of the simpsons they went on dr marvin monroe's radio show and they were zapping yeah. each other and like yeah. they took all the power out of springfield um but yeah <laughs> it was based on this guy um so monroe achieved worldwide recognition as an explorer of human consciousness and out-of-body experiences and he started researching it way back in like the 1950s he produced evidence that specific sound patterns have identifiable beneficial effects on our capabilities uh, for example certain combinations of frequencies could enhance alertness could induce sleep patterns in others and others it could actually you know provoke expanded states of consciousness so, you know, the, you might have heard this term that's been going around on the TikTok called the gateway process or the gateway experience. Yeah, I have heard about this. There's a few TikTokers talking about like expanding their mind through the gateway experience. And the CIA actually manipulated the gateway experience for the same purposes. But this was created by Bob Monroe, you know, the founder of the Mon Monroe Institute. Did he and, create the brown sound as well? <laughs> I, don't know if he, I don't know if he created the brown sound. I'm sure he's experimented with that because the CIA was really interested in the brown sound. Um, so the gateway is all about experiencing the non-physical aspects of reality. And it mainly focuses on out-of-body experiences, remote viewing, 
all over like the you know the evolution of one's consciousness basically and it's through these techniques that we experience the gateway to the hidden parts of reality um so one of the reasons one of the the ways you're able to i guess experience the gateway or enter through the gate uh was through uh this specific sound design that he created uh called binaural beats he found that oh, binaural right. he didn't create binaural beats but he used binaural beats to expedite right. OBEs and he developed that into something he did patent called the hemisync meditation and so this audio technology uses uh synchronizes brain waves on the left and the right side of the brain and that makes the brain vulnerable to hypnosis so by listening to this music you pretty much put yourself in a like a hypnotic state or at least like you're able, like a suggestive state where you could be put under hypnosis. Yeah, I see. And so, uh, oh, well, by the people that are working at the Monroe Institute or the CIA, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luigi Scambarella of the Monroe Institute of the UK. That's another weird thing. There's a Monroe Institute like all over the world. Um, he said binaural beats consist of two separate sine waves played independently in each ear. To square the difference, the brain then generates a frequency of its own. So if you play 100 hertz in your left ear and 104 hertz in the right, the brain cancels the competing sounds and leaves you with a 4 hertz pulse. And this can, this can make you in a mind-awake, body-asleep state within 10 minutes. So you, this will allow you to experience the gateway for your mind. So here, let me play a little bit of this for you. Um, this is a, a binaural beat. You can find this on the internet. I mean, they're, they're free, but you can find them on the internet. Hear that? Are you freeing your mind? I'm going to wait for the acid to kick in. I'm hearing it in my left ear. I'm not really hearing it in the right. I can hear both. You hear both? All right, now I'm hearing both. Tripping. This would be weird, though, if you were taking a lot of LSD and just sitting in, like, It'd a dark fun. room. Just listening to this, do you think you would, like, experience Oh, you'd the trip. You'd have an OPE. It is quite relaxing, but it, that could be because I'm listening to this very early in the morning. I wish they called it, like, OPM. Like, out of <laughs> bell. O- ODB, the ODB <laughs> sound noise. Yeah. We're all gonna well, give it go. to you. So he he cr- created the use of that technology to um, put put their subjects in a hypnotic state, which would facilitate um, an OBE or an out of body experience. Um, so the government was aware. The U.S. government was aware. Like they're doing some weird things over there at the Monroe Institute. They're doing some strange experiments. You know, they're going through the gateway, they're, you know, drifting through the universe in their minds. We got to use this to spy on the Russians, you know. God, the Russians, those pesky Russians, the Russians. That won the war for us. We must, we must go spy on them again. So the army sent a group of officers and scientists to go and learn about Monroe's gateway experience. And so they sent Commander McDonnell. He volunteered to go himself and he completed the seven-day psychic program at the Institute to see what it was all about. Um, and uh, at, at the end of it, he wrote a whole report they delivered to his uh, commander, a commanding officer that said, um, you know, 
His goal was to construct a scientifically valid and reasonably lucid model of how consciousness functions in order to put out-of-body states into the language of physical science to remove this whole stigma of any kind of like occult, you know, or occultism associations. Oh, um, what? That's not the fun stuff. Why are they taking the fun stuff away? Well, because I think they were like, you know, all this like hocus pocus, new, new age mumbo jumbo. They want to like, can you do this or not? Can you... Mm. Go out of your body and go steal some secrets from the Russians. And so, uh, you know, in, in the Department of Defense, it was just like, we want to know what happens. You know, and so McDonald suggested that the military were to experiment with astral projection. It could find a practical application for it. He also noted that you'd be intellectually prepared to react to possible encounters with intelligent, non-corporeal energy forms when you go beyond the uh, time-space boundaries. So, you know, you got to be careful if you're doing this. Does, but, he mean, does he mean aliens? You might see well, some aliens knocking about. It could just be, you know, energies, malevolent energies, evil Ooh. beings, and we don't De even know what they are. Demons. demons. I want it to be demons. I'm thinking it's demons. And so because of this report, they, they launched Project Center Lane. And uh, they recruited officers who underwent hypnosis and practiced reaching the astral plane, you know, with the goal of learning foreign languages and under, you know, going with documents referred to as habit control training. Ooh. Yeah. So they went through 250 Army intelligence candidates were selected. Um, of those candidates, 117 were interviewed under the impression that they were taking a survey. And so they were asking them specifically about, with you know, questions about like energy, astral planes, astral projections, psychoenergetics, and individuals who had objections to the military use of psychoenergetics were not considered. And then other people who were like overly enthusiastic about it were like, "Oh yeah, this sounds rad. Let's do this." Um, were also not considered. Oh. So yeah, so out of the 250, they managed to select about 30 who had the desired traits, such as open-mindedness and intelligence that made them suited for the uh, program. Do you know what that reminds me of? You know, on Ghostbusters, where Bill Murray is holding up the cards with a hot chick, and he's like, yeah, that's a star, honey. Yeah. I bet it was, <laughs> I bet it was Bill Murray selecting them. <laughs> well, I think you probably had a lot of people that were like, yeah, this sounds, you know, it's 1979, 1978. You know, I'm sure they're like, yeah, this sounds trippy. Let's do this. They probably also wanted a week off base and, you know, do yeah, something and it sounded, different you know, it sounded well. fun. Um, so uh, these intelligence officers that were selected were sent to the Monroe Institute for training. And that's where they would listen to like the hemisync audio and achieve these like, you know, um, these uh, hypnotic states so they could free their physical, uh, their, their minds from their physical body. Um, and so the Institute's research associates would guide them into the astral plane um, and that would heighten their sensory experiences, heal their bodies, allow them to travel into the past or the future, you know, without having the restraints of a physical body. So one of the things that they did was remote viewing. And so this is uh, a method of psychoenergetic perception. Uh, this is coined by um, the Stanford Research Institute, actually. And it's defined oh, okay. as the acquisition and de description by mental means of information blocked from ordinary perception by distance, shielding, or time. So you get to like surpass all of those and see. It's like having the third eye in a right. sense. 
And so this was Project Stargate. Stargate was one of a number of remote viewing programs that were conducted under a variety of code names. I love the code names. It's one of my favorite things about the CIA. So there was Project Sunstreak, Grill Flame, and Center Lane. Um, Grill Flame? Yeah. It's like freaking um, Hank Hill named that one. Oh, no, no. <laughs> Sorry, that's propane only. He wouldn't have named it that. Inscom and Scanit by the CIA. And these were all efforts that were initiated to access like foreign programs in the field. So they could like conduct basic research into the phenomenon and then use remote viewing as an intelligence tool. So this is sort of what uh, pretty much what the, the theme of uh, Men Who Stare at Goats was. You know, harness yes. your psychic abilities um, for, for government intelligence. So an operational unit employed remote viewers uh, from the Monroe Institute to train and perform remote viewing intelligence gathering. And uh, the research, and there's a research program that was also maintained separately from the operational unit who was actually using this to weaponize it, but also using it for intelligence gathering. Uh, they thought, so around like the late 60s, 1970s, U.S. intelligence sources concluded that the Soviet Union was doing psychotronic research, which I'm sure they were. Um, they said the Soviets were spending 60 million rubles a year on it. <laughs> rubles. <laughs> over 300 million by 1975. And um, some of the intelligence that they gathered said that the Soviet psychotronics uh, had achieved breakthroughs. I mean, it was speculative. Possibly. But it was that, that whole thing. I mean, we we're in an arms race with them. It's like if the Soviets are doing it, we got to do it. You know? In Soviet Russia, we become one. Not one become us. We are one. Soviet Russia. So Scanit, which is called Scan by Coordinate, was uh, the CIA program that was part of Project Stargate. This began around 1970. Um, and, and they had uh, the uh, Stanford Research Institute in Menlo Park, California. I uh, was doing research there. Um, two two uh, scientists there, Russell Targ and Harold Puthoff, who were with the NSA, but then uh, then they joined the uh, SRI, the Stanford Research Institute, and at both and during this time, both of them were Scientologists and considered <gasps> gifted individuals. Isn't Scientology into this though? Oh yeah, they're into like having out of body and astral projections. It's a big part of Scientology, psychic phenomena. Yeah, no, this is totally. Yeah. I think when uh, so one of their gifted individuals who actually wrote a uh, a guide on uh, coordinated remote viewing. He was a New York artist named Ingo Swan. He was an OT level seven Scientologist. Once you get like up there, like OT level seven, eight, that's when they, they, they say you can control things with your mind. Like you can do um, like telekinesis. Is that Tom Cruise level? You know, I don't know what OT level he is, but the, uh, my boss at the, uh, the, the company I worked at before had written books about Scientology. They said he was OT level five. So he's like two steps away from, from being like, like, well, I mean, I don't know if he can do like, man. yeah, I don't know if he can, if he's like Professor Xavier level, but, uh, you know, he could probably do some out of body stuff. He could probably, you know, listen to the binaural beats and trip out trip a bit. Out. <laughs> so many of these SRI, Stanford Research Institute, empaths are called, were all from the Church of Scientology, but they were taught you know, they show potential and they were taught through psychic research to use their talents for psychic warfare. And that's where the CIA wanted to explore and see if they could um, obviously manipulate that. 
Uh, the minimum, minimum accuracy needed by the clients is said to be 65%. And they, they feel that through uh, the training efforts, this accuracy level was usually uh, exceeded by a lot. So if you okay. like had 65% success in psychic phenomena, then you're considered, you know, you could be used for this program. But most of these people, like with a little bit of training, you know, exceeded that. So, yeah, uh, the SRI program, I worked with the Monroe Institute, and uh, they began using a small number of individuals who were seen as being particularly gifted in this area. And so that's where uh, Ingo Swan here, the OT level seven Scientologist, he laid the groundwork for the techniques of coordinate remote uh, viewing, which is CRV. And it's a technique which viewers were asked what they saw at specified like geographic coordinates. And so um, one of the uh, the, the programs here uh, under grill flame was uh, they, they, they conducted hundreds of remote viewing experiments uh, carried out through at, through the, at the SRI, like through 1986. And basically these experiments were spying on the Russians. But not only that, one of the most famous remote viewing experiments was uh, they went back in time to the beginning of Mars and like saw civilizations on Mars. I'm gonna get to that in a second. I'm gonna post, okay. I'm gonna post the CRV manual which kind of walks you through how they do it. It's published now. I'm just going to post a link to the PDF. But this allowed anyone to be trained to produce accurate, detailed target data. And uh, they explain, like they're, uh, Ingo Swan and Dr. Harold Puthoff here explained in detail their instructions on how to do coordinate remote viewing. Um, and so typically I'm just going to kind of gloss through this, but there's a viewer and there's a monitor. And so the, the individual who, uh, the monitor is the individual who assists the viewer. The viewer is the one who, who does the technique of remote viewing so they can see beyond the space and time. Um, the monitor just pretty much gives him coordinates as to what they should be focusing on. And so there's a remote viewing session that happens where, where the viewer attempts to acquire and describe by mental means information about a designated site. So obviously they would say like, you know, the Russians have these nuclear weapons and this one specific area, where? And so they would have the remote viewer focus on coordinates that the monitor would give them and be able to tell them what they're seeing. So it's like a sniper team. Sort of, it almost reminds me of uh, like if you, one of the like a latter day analogy is like the people with drones. In a sense, yeah, you know, it's instead like, of a, instead of having a drone, thing. yeah, it's like you're using your mind. Uh, so the session dynamic is kind of is kind of strange here, but the way it works is a remote viewer and a monitor seat themselves at opposite ends of a long table in a special remote viewing room equipped with paper and pens, a tape recorder, TV camera. Uh, the room is usually homogeneously colored, acoustic tiled, featureless. There's a light controlled by a dimmer. So environmental distraction is completely minimized. So you can focus on things. And the monitor will give them geographic coordinates, in this case, the remote viewer. And the remote viewer is not given any other identifying information except for the coordinates provided by the monitor. And then they're able to focus and see what's at this coordinate. And that's- it Sounds that's... like such a long day though, doesn't it? <laughs> Really? Well, after the session, I mean, it could could take hours. And after the session's over, the remote viewer and the monitor obtain specific information about the site in a picture or descriptive form. 
and then they can discuss uh, what happened here. And so there's various stages that they go through for the training. So there's like, I think it's uh, seven stages actually. So at first they just do simple sites like a mountain range or a desert or an island like Hawaii. But then uh, they go through more stage two, more like sites of quality sensory value, describable through touch, taste, sound, or color, such as like a volcano and things like that. Then stage three sites, buildings, bridges, airfields, stage four, technical areas, military you know, research areas. Stage five is uh, like a biomedical research facility, like a specific military research facility or a tank production plant. And stage six, stage, uh, six involves a training in direct three-dimensional assessment and modeling of the site. So they can actually, like, at that point, they're projecting themselves. They're actually going Da-da. in there and, and viewing it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't very, it wasn't a very successful uh, program. Unsurprisingly, <laughs> as I was say, up until the part where they're wanting you to be there, I could do all of that just with imagination. It's not difficult, is it, to describe a volcano? I've seen enough images of volcanoes to sit here and describe to you what a volcano is. With well, not there's much that, difficulty. but I mean, some there were. You know, some of these experiments that they, they conducted, there were there were some success rates. I mean, they were able to uh, define where Gaddafi was hi- hiding in Libya. Yeah, they that's pretty... They claim us through remote viewing. Um, they were able to find, cool. like, uh, various ru- uh, Russian, like, missile sites and things like that. But, when but the I fam- highly doubt they went back in time and told us what civilization on Mars looks like. Well, maybe. I'm very doubtful of that. Although that's... I could tell you what it looked like right now if I wanted to. That is uh, the most famous remote viewing session. It was the remote mission to Mars. And so the goal of this particular session uh, was to make a subject remotely view Mars in the year 1 million BC. Okay. And so this, yeah, and the interviewer, the monitor, read coordinates and verbal cues to a subject who claimed to see dust storms, alien structures, and an even like an ancient alien race. So... This guy was a member of uh, Stargate, Joseph McMonagall, and he was able to perceive details, which were later confirmed by satellite imaging, of a new type of Russian nuclear submarine that's being constructed. So this guy had been a trained remote viewer. Okay. So he was like probably the most famous one and definitely the one with the most success. Uh, but he was able to see this new type of nuclear submarine just based on the coordinates that were provided. He was able to see it in his mind, and that was confirmed by satellite imaging. The submarine was one of the largest ever built, and when he described its magnitude to military engineers, the, you know, they were shocked. But turned out, using satellite imagery, they found out his impression was right. Like, what he drew was correct. So, because he was in this key group of remote viewers, the CIA was like, all right, let's, let's try him with a secret experiment. So, one day, he was awoken from a nap. He's given a sealed envelope. That couldn't be open until the end of this viewing session. That's that's what happened in, in uh, Men Who Stare at Goats as well. Um, during which his monitor dictated coordinates for him to view. Soon, McMonagall found himself astral projecting through the astral plane, through space, through time, to an unfamiliar location. Um, so there's a transcript that CIA released with other Trova documents that came out. Um, that explains, he, he writes in detail about what happened. Uh, McMonagall went into his viewing state, like when he was viewing um, and describing, he, he 
described a world inhabited by a civilization that was in dire shape, like an apocalyptic um, uh, civilization at this point. Right. He described seeing an infrastructure consisting of intersecting roads, aqueducts, channels, and pyramids on, a, in a, on an unfamiliar planet. Uh, he said, quote, I just kept seeing very large people. They appear very thin and tall, but they're very large. Wearing some kind of strange clothes, these thin and tall people lived in a series of structures built in the walls of massive canyons. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. He said it's like a rabbit warren. <laughs> Corners of rooms, they're huge. I don't feel like I'm standing in one. It's just really huge. Perception is that the ceiling is very high and the walls very wide. Um, it describes a baffled McMonagall who struggled to report raw data to his colleagues and they kept reminding him, you got to stay focused on what they're trying to find. Um, sometimes it would take him like 30 minutes to maintain his focus. Um, he eventually reports like contacting these living entities. So his These colleagues. Slender were, men's. Yeah, the slender yeah. men. Um, yeah. Colleagues tell him to initiate communication with them. He describes the situation as being critical on the brink of apocalypse. Um, having purportedly sent members of their civilization on a mission to find a new uh, planet to inhabit, these tall, shadowed figures appeared to be in a state of hibernation, awaiting the return of the search party. When he asked, he asked these entities if they can perceive him, they describe him as something of a hallucination. At the end okay. of the viewing, they allowed right. McMonagall to open the envelope to see where he's projected to. Mars, one million years BC. Now, okay, I'm not Kate. calling this bullshit, but what do you <laughs> say? it smells a bit like bullshit to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's reminded me of that, I'm blanking on the name of it, but that Disney movie that was a huge failure. John, it was uh, Edgar Which Rice Burroughs. No, it was an Edgar Rice Burroughs novel. Uh, Johnny, uh, the guy that goes to Mars. I'm blanking on his name right now. I'm sure people on the, I, uh, All I YouTube can think of is um, uh, Johnny Mnemonon. Johnny, uh, Johnny Mnemonic. Mnemonic. No, yeah, that's with, with Keanu, Keanu Reeves. Reeves. That's a good picture, though. No, um, John. I don't uh, know. I don't know which Disney film. Is no, it a recent one? No, it came out. Well, not that. Not that. John Carter. Did you ever see John oh, Carter? Oh no, because I heard it's terrible. Oh, it was a, it was a huge failure for Disney. But John Carter was an Edgar Rice Burroughs book, you know, the guy that wrote Tarzan, and uh, in in it's an old book, and in it the uh, the Martians live in like a warren of caves, like a rabbit warren. It's like these holes in caves. So I'm thinking this guy might have read the book John Carter, and imagine and that's what it. he was saying. I'm also thinking like. If they're giving you coordinates for one million years BC, Mars isn't gonna be where Mars is, is it? Well, doesn't hey, matter. Look, though? right, I'm just a cum scientist. I am not like a planetary scientist. When you're traveling through space and time, Kate, it doesn't matter what your human maps say. Yeah, dude. So I was like totally on Mars, dude, and they had these <laughs> Slendermans. Oh my god, man. Well, it's kind of weird. I don't think he was I mean, maybe it was just his imagination, but it was very vivid and there's transcripts of it. Um, but yeah, ultimately it didn't, it wasn't, it was fruitless. Nothing really, uh, came of Project Stargate and they spent over two decades on it and $20 million on Stargate and some of those other, uh, projects, um, with $11 million budgeted from the mid 1980s to the early 1990s. So oh, it's, wow, it's recent. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's recent. 
Uh, there are over 40 personnel serving the program at various times, including 23 trained remote viewers. Um, at, at its peak during the mid-1980s, the program included as many as seven full-time viewers and uh, many like analytical and support personnel. So it ran from 1990, or I get, oh, there are psychics that worked there at the CIA from 1990 uh, through 95 when the program was eventually just folded. Um, but I mean, during that period though, you know, from the 80s up until 1995, they conducted hundreds of intelligence collection projects, thousands of remote, remote viewing sessions. Um, notable successes were said to be eight martini results. Oh, I love a martini. I love gin and vodka martinis. Well, there were so-called martini results because the remote viewing data was so mind-boggling that everyone had to go out and drink eight martinis to recover. Hey, I like it. it. (laughs) Um, But there were were some successes that reported. Our uh, friend here, Joe McMonagall, who saw the the Slenderman, he was a retired special project intelligence officer for several different branches of the military. Um, but yeah, I mean, he described the submarine, he described Mars, uh, he described and uh, correctly described an airfield with a large, uh, crane at one end of the field. Uh, the airfield at the given map coordinates was a Soviet nuclear testing area at Semipalatinsk, which is a possible underground nuclear testing site. He, he found that just in coordinates. Um, a remote viewer is tasked to locate a Soviet Tu-95 bomber, which has crashed somewhere in Africa, and he did within several miles of the actual wreckage. Okay. Surprising. Um, in September 1979, uh, the NSA asked about a Soviet submarine that was under construction. Another one, very large one, new submarine with 18 to 20 missile-launched tubes. Um, they they found this one within within a hundred miles. So they were able to locate this, another one through satellite imagery. Uh, there is an assignment included trying to hunt down Gaddafi before the 1986 bombing of Libya. Um, they found his general location, but he wasn't injured in the bombing. So the CIA put that much trust in this remote viewer. They're like, all right, you know, this uh, psychic weirdo over here says that that's where Gaddafi is. Let's bomb him. He was there, but he wasn't injured. Um, in February 1988, uh, the DIA asked where Marine Corps Colonel William Higgins was being held in Lebanon. So he was okay. a hostage. And a remote viewer stated that the Higgins was in a specific building in a specific South Lebanon village. And a release hostage later said that Higgins was in that building at that time. Right. So, I'm not you know, saying that I don't believe, but I am saying that I don't believe. <laughs> uh, there's a, a remote viewer saw that a KGB colonel that was caught spying in South Africa had been smuggling information using a pocket calculator containing a communications device they told that to South African intelligence what'd they find? a pocket calculator with, with a communication device they even, they even used remote viewers during the first Gulf War who suggested the whereabouts of uh, Saddam Hussein at the time Though there was never any verification if they found them at those locations. But remote viewers did find Scud missiles and secret uh, chemical warfare um, plants. To be fair, in the Gulf War, that wasn't hard, was it? They weren't exactly secret. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they tried, found- in 1994, they tried to use remote viewers, one of the last missions here, to find plutonium in North Korea. 
but there's no real success there. <laughs> no, you will find starving people though <laughs> in so, North Korea. It was around 1995 that uh, they asked the CIA to conduct a retrospective review of the program and see, should we keep spending millions of dollars on this? Uh, the final recommendation uh, by the American Institute for Research here was to terminate Stargate. And the CIA concluded that there is no case in which ESP had provided useful data used to guide intelligence operations. I kind of think it's a case of... Are these people, obviously we all absorb information around us and these people are working in places where they're going to hear all about this stuff all live long day and then they're going to go into a relaxed state and they're going to reread the information, are they not? Yeah, but they're not given, but they they don't know what's in these envelopes. The the monitors Well, they're given coordinates, aren't they? They're told to, I want you to view here. At this location. Yeah, and I think if you are in a very relaxed state, you can read people. It's kind of like, what's he called? Darren Brown. He can do that. He can read oh, people. Like, you can uh, train like yourself to, to read that, uh, people. Like the um, the charlatan psychics. Doing well, cold he's, reads. No, he's he's not a psychic. He can just read people, which I think if you train yourself to do that, you can That's do that. That's what I'm that, saying. Which is these, what like, these people are doing. Well, the TV psychics mind. do that. Like they read people in the audience, and that's how they make their can, predictions. You know? And it feels like this is maybe what these people are doing. They're reading the the clues that the others are, you know, unconsciously well, telling them what giving they want to, to hear. Them. Maybe and doing know. that as well. Um, skeptics have said that Stargate and other programs of its ilk were diversionary tactics to steer the Soviets in the wrong direction. Oh, so the same kind of the thing. Soviets. They're like, you know, yeah, the U.S. is putting all this money into this, so maybe they were trying to get the Soviets to do something similar. Um, and the logic being that if the U.S. could subversively convince the Soviets that they were having success in phony psychic programs, then the Soviets would waste their time and resources by doing similar programs and not building nuclear weapons. God, this smear campaign that America had against the Soviets just <laughs> went so far, they hated them. Well, I think the Soviets hated the U.S. too. I think it was mutual. Yeah, I think it was definitely mutual. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I mean, they say the evidence here, there is, they say there is evidence and it's obviously conflicting. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I mean, uh, I think the CIA sessions confirm that, uh, you know, astral projection was something that, that exists. You know, I don't I think mean, it confirms it. No. Well, it doesn't confirm. It suggests that it's something that, that exists. It's worth researching. Yes, you know? definitely. But I don't think it's confirmed it. And there's no conclusive evidence there that to me, like it's not like Judge Anderson and Judge Dredd where they've looked into the future and they can place themselves there. To me, none of that seems to be going on. It all seems quite common sensey. Kate, how it's do like, you know what Martians on Mars looked like in 1 million BC? Um, I could think of what they looked like by myself with my own imagination. Thank you very much. You think they look like Reeves or something? Oh, I wish. A whole planet of Keanu Reeves looking aliens. So I checked it out. The Monroe Institute's actually still operating and selling its Hemi-Sync program today. Like you can go to monroeinstitute.org and you could sign up for one of their programs. How much do they cost? It's like $1,600, but it's, it's like four days for a week. or something. No, I think it's yeah, like four days. A- oh, it's more for the seven-day program, but they will... They will teach you how to have an out-of-body experience and how to control astral projection. I think it's all Scientologists, personally. It sounds Scientology. You know what I was also looking at? Because remote viewing, I mean, a lot of people put stock into this. I think it's all New Age 
mumbo jumbo. Um, but <laughs> okay, Dot. <laughs> there's a uh, there's a application, a gaming app on your iPhone called the RV Tournament, the remote viewing tournament. It's a game app that teaches remote viewing techniques and lets players use skills they develop, psychic skills, to compete for uh, fine, you know, uh, financial prizes. So each day's right. round presents a new remote viewing challenge. I mean, you can download this app. It's called the RV Tournament. You'll be asked to quiet your mind and set an intention to view the target image that you'll be shown at the end of the round. After spending a few minutes noting or sketching any impressions you receive, much like the remote viewers at the uh, Project Stargate, you'll be asked to choose between two images, the one that best matches your impression of the target image. So when the round's finished, you'll be shown the correct target image, and uh, if, you, if you're close to it, you'll win, like, actual money. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's called the RV Tournament. There's several different remote viewing apps like that, but this one's uh, probably the most popular. But that's, that's the thing. I mean, you know, people still practice remote viewing. They still pr practice, claim to practice astral projection, say it works. They also practice lucid dreaming. And people say, you know, people often confuse astral projection with lucid dreaming, but there is a distinction between the two. Um, you know, astral projection is probably somewhere between a lucid dream and a near-death experience, I would say. Kind yeah. of like an out-of-body. It's, it's a sensation of separating from your physical self, keeping your mind awake while your body is asleep. Whereas lucid dreaming involves experiencing an internal, you know, in internally in your own mind dreaming experience and being partially conscious while being in that dream so you're not well, alert you're not you're not awake physically awake you're dreaming but you're in control controlling of that dream. the dream well i'm yeah. a lucid dreamer and i have i'm not a you said like it's something you can practice i've never had to practice it i've done it my whole life um so it's just something that happens to me. They're well, not as rare, common though. as when it's I was rare. younger. It says one in every, well, yeah. one in every two people has had at least one lucid dream, but only 10% of people experience them once a month or more. Oh, really? Well, I'm, so how I often do you about, experience them? About twice a month. It's usually so um, hormonal as well. I get them way more just before my period when my hormones are fucking crazy. I usually have like, you have I'll have lucid, a lucid period dream. dreams. Lucid period dream. Are well, you a PMT. tampon in the dream? <laughs> never. Never. I've had that's that dream like before. Prince, that's Prince Bloody. Charles, isn't it? Prince Charles <laughs> when he wanted to be Camilla's tampon. Oh, yeah. I've done it that. my whole life. And you are in control of your dream. I'll, I'll often die and I'll come back and I'll, I'll see my dead body and I can interact with myself. And it's, yeah. But do you, you recognize, though? But do you recognize that you're in a dream? Yeah, because I can control it. And there's loads of times where I'm like, if something's not going right for me in the dream, this is when I'm dreaming as myself because I can also lucid dream where I can be animals. But if I'm myself, then it, I can change the scenario, change the situation uh, to keep it the way I want it. But sometimes I just like to watch myself die. <laughs> Why well, not? <laughs> well, they say sometimes that, uh, I mean, you, can, you can't control the entire dream, but you can control certain aspects of it, although that can be enhanced with training. Like you, can go, you can be a trained lucid dreamer. Yeah, there are definitely techniques you can do to make, so you can have more and more and more control of your lucid dreams. I've kind of never bothered because I just think of them as fun things that happen. 
if I'm very stressed out as well, I'm much more likely to lucid dream. Have you ever had a lucid wet dream? Um, I yeah, I wank in my sleep. I'm not gonna even, which is also considered rare for women to wank in their sleep. But, but I mean, I do it. like, have you ever had a lucid dream where you're controlling it and it's just like you know, full on gangbang, like twenty cocks? I've had sex with Elvis in the Elvis back of a Cadillac. in the dream. Wow, in the dream in the back of a Cadillac, and then fat Elvis is, or skinny Elvis. Skinny Elvis, oh, and this is bummer. totally Freudian. Lame. His yeah, we got out, we opened the caddy. Because you remember, I remember all my lucid dreams very vividly. It's as if they've happened in real life. In fact, the first ever lucid dream I ever, I was when I got run over. I got run over by a red Mini Cooper and I got pushed into a blue estate car. And about a week later, I was saying to my mum, I was like, oh, you must remember when I broke my leg and my ribs. And she was like, you've never broken a bone. I was like, when I was in the car crash, you dumb bitch. And she was like, no, that's never happened. And she had to sit me down and explain to me what dreams were. But it was only like a while after that that I realized that most people don't have vivid dreams like that. But did you experience like pain in the dream? Yeah, I had been run over and then I had to go to hospital and it was all about being in hospital. But I just remember the impact of when the cars hit me and just being on the ground and like all the the craziness of it all. But then as I've go, gotten older, I can control them a lot more when I'm in them. But you are in a weird half awake, half asleep state. And the whole next day after I've had one, I'm very, I'm not here, man. I'm a so, bit like discombobulated. So back to Elvis here. Did you control where the money shot went? Like, did he pull out, blow it in your face, do it on your tits? Like what would happen here? He did come in my mouth. Elvis came in my mouth. But when we opened up the caddies, because we were we were at like a drive-in movie. It was a public place and we weren't meant to be having sex. And when we opened up the Cadillac, there was loads of snakes on the ground. Very Freudian. Yeah, and, that's weird. Uh, yeah, very Freudian. Like look into the uh, symbolism there. Um, but yeah, so people people can you can you can learn the techniques of lucid dreaming. We're gonna get to that in a minute. Um, also the techniques of astral projection and there's a there's like a, a lot of I was doing a little research today on it on reddit there's all these subreddits uh, one called the astral army which is a focal cool. point for a lot of these psychically curious to go there and uh, and try to learn how to do um, you know out of body experience or out of body missions like they they try to encourage each other to do like missions to like the pentagon or Wuhan to find out, you know, the uh, source of COVID. To find um, the bastard who ate that bat. <laughs> to find him. Exactly. The Redditors are going to find him. Um, or uh, you can go to uh, people going to like Skinwalker Ranch, you know. Cool. Through, uh, through astral projection. See, that's, a, that's where I would go. I would go to there or I would like go back in time and see if Lizzie Borden really did kill her dad and stepmother. I would go and do things like that. I wouldn't go to fucking Mars. Who gives a shit about Mars? Like, You'd probably just go back in time and wink to all the sexy Nazis. Yes, like Mengele. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I'd go and find out who actually did kill the Black Dahlia. Just You'd be an astral pervert. an astral um, pervert. Some of the Redditors, though, said that they tried to infiltrate the Pentagon, and there were astral Green Beret-esque type guards that blocked them. That's pretty neat if that's true. <laughs> so now astral projection has never really been proven in any kind of scientifically controlled way. I mean, we talked about remote viewing sessions that were done at the, by the Scientologists at the SRI. And then, you know, some of the other, um, you know, researchers, 
over the Monroe Institute, but it's never really been proven. Whereas lucid dreaming has been scientifically proven. Uh, There's a recent uh, uh, study just this past year where researchers had actual conversations involving questions and giving math problems to lucid dreamers. People who were aware that they were dreaming and they were answering and solving problems, answering questions and solving problems in their dreams. That's pretty neat. Yeah, you could do that. You could yeah. definitely talk. Because it, it does feel like you are you are awake, but you know you're asleep, but you're, you're awake. It is a very strange feeling, but it's fun. Well, so the findings here from four labs and 36 participants suggest that people can receive and process complex external information while you're sleeping. Which okay. is just, you know, hard to fathom, but that, it's interesting. Because um, you always think that the mind's in a restful state, because the mind needs to be in a restful state. But the fact that your brain can still function in this restful state, it makes me think well, like, it could be compartmentalized. That's like a form of studying as well, though, isn't it? Like, I did that when I was doing my exams at school. I, like, recorded myself saying all this shit and then yeah and then i would fall asleep listening to it and i still do that now i fall asleep to steve mre and i've probably picked up um millions millions of hours worth of knowledge about fucking mres god i hope people don't fall asleep listening to this show i feel sorry for them if they do (laughs) so there are four (laughs) independent teams in france germany and the netherlands and the united states um they use like two-way communication during the dreams and they uh, asked questions and had them had the uh, sleepers solve math problems. And they had never had any training. Um, the You're only, like, uh, well, like they, me, some of them there were okay. I take it back. There was a there was a group that ex, that were were experienced lucid dreamers. But then there were some who had never experienced a lucid dream, but remember, you know, would remember like one or two dreams every week and then there were there are a couple of people who might have had a lucid dream but they okay. weren't sure about it so there were like three different groups here and so what they did is they trained participants to uh, recognize when they're dreaming by explaining how uh, lucid dreaming works and demonstrating cues like sounds lights or finger tappings that would be present while the dreamer slept and the cues would signal to the participants that they were dreaming And the sleepers were told the signal that they had entered a lucid dream and answered questions by moving their eyes and face in particular ways. Like, for example, moving their eyes three times, like opening their eyes, moving them three times to the left. So you knew that they were actually responsive. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's it's really weird. And so as they fell asleep, the scientists monitored their brain activity, their eye movement, and uh, facial muscle contractions, common indicators of REM sleep. And so they had like helmets on with like wires. Um, and out of a total of 57 sleeping sessions, six individuals signaled, they were lo- signaled that they were actually lucid dreaming in 15 of them. And so the researchers asked the dreamers simple yes or no questions or math problems like eight minus six. To answer, the dreamers used signals that they had been taught before falling asleep, which included like smiling or frowning or moving their eyes in different directions to indicate a sum. So they'd move it to the right like three times or four times to answer That's the question. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Or in the German lab, they had them move their eyes in patterns that match Morse code. Oh, crazy. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's crazy. So uh, out of the 158 questions of the lucid dreamers, they responded correctly 18.6% of the time. 
Uh, Dreamers gave the wrong answer to only 3.2% of the questions. 17.7% of their their answers were not clear. 60% of the questions got no response. Right. There's some good odds there. Yeah, so it's really weird. So after uh, the session was done, the Dreamers would wake up and and were asked to describe their dreams. Some remembered the questions as part of the dream. So one dreamer reported math problems coming out of a car radio. Cool. Another was at a party when he heard a researcher interrupting his dream like a narrator in a movie to ask him whether or not he spoke Spanish. This is great. Isn't that strange? Yeah, I like it. The key difference here between lucid dreaming and astral travel is how you know, each state is reached, you know, and that's the thing I, you know, I'm thinking lucid dreaming is something I think is worthy of, you know, scientific uh, research because I mean, there's, I think there's a lot of uh, benefits to it. I mean, they say that scientists still don't even know why we dream. Like, so I can see like why you would want to investigate stuff like this because we still don't know a lot about the brain. Human beings, we all like to think that we know it all, but we don't. And stuff like this really does intrigue me, cause, especially because I can do it. So I'm like, I do want to know more about it. But I think the, but the thing is, so, you know, you can use this, this lucid dreaming experimentation techniques to, like, influence people's dreams and help people, like, get through trauma or anxiety or depression. You know, I mean, there might be, like, therapeutic reasons to do this. Whereas astral projection just yeah. kind of seems a bit, you know, ridiculous. A bit I mean, daft. I, well, I mean, it just, it, I don't see much of a scientific basis behind it, but yeah, but, uh, you know, people say, you know, they're, they're both, I, I guess they're both psychic phenomena that's worth looking into. Um, so lucid dream occurs after one's already asleep when the conscious mind awakens during a dream, astral traveling, astral projection is an actual out-of-body experience, an OBE, that can be accomplished while in a state of wakefulness. So you don't have to be sleeping to uh, actually okay. project. You know, a person's soul fully separates from the physical body to merge with its astral projection. And so experienced astral travelers are aware of the separation and they know how to return to their earthly physical form. So... Real quick, because we've got to wrap this up here. Lucid dreaming. So the, there's various techniques you can do. Um, one of the most common techniques is the, uh, is the wake back to bed technique, the WBTB. And I don't know if you've <laughs> okay. done this one. But um, you can learn how to lucid dream by using a technique known as reality testing. And so you practice reality testing throughout the day so that the mind develops a habit of checking whether or not you're actually dreaming. So here's a few tips on how to reality test and that you can ultimately use when you're dreaming. So check mirrors to see if you can notice anything strange about your reflection. You're supposed to do this throughout the day. Look at the clock to see if time is moving normally. Test solid objects to see if your hand can push through them. Do you do this on a regular basis? Okay. No, no, I don't. I don't need to. <laughs> don't so in your day to day, in your day to day life, keep practicing these reality testing techniques, and then when the sun sets and you're ready to sleep, set your alarm for the middle of the night. So go to sleep like you normally do. Wake up in the middle of the night. This technique's known as wake back to bed. Simply fall asleep as usual. When the alarm uh, goes off, you wake up, 
read for 30 minutes. Oh, no one's, who's doing that? This Come technique on. is designed to help you maintain consciousness as you fall back to sleep, priming the mind for lucid dreaming. It's, it's the most, um, you know, positive technique for doing this. God, I can't believe that works for some people. I'm so angry when I get woken up. Somebody was then to shove a book in front of my face. I'm like, fuck you. You don't think you just you like sleep? your alarm will go off and just start reading? It's probably because you, it's probably because you drank a bottle of wine before you went to bed. <laughs> Doesn't everyone? <laughs> now, astral projection is a bit different, and there's there are various techniques to do astral projection. I went to the, a couple of different sites here um, about it, just trying to figure out the uh, the the most common technique. The most common technique to actually project is the rope technique. Now. Um, advanced so some people like the beginning astral projection you kind of like can see yourself outside of your body but you can't really go anywhere you just see yourself outside of your body but experienced astral travelers can venture you know beyond your ceiling and into other worlds but be cautious all right be cautious mm. during astral travel because your soul can become stranded on the astral plane unable to return to your physical body so I just want to give a disclaimer here. Sick and wrong is not responsible <laughs> for any souls out there trapped in the astral plane, all right? You've been warned. I'm not going to bring yeah, you back. Yeah, we've already got enough, enough curses upon us. We don't need some, some out of spirits coming after us as well. So here's the rope technique. This is how it goes down. So make sure you're comfortable, all right? Just get in a place. You, you won't be disturbed. Try to leave enough time so you don't have to think about anything at all. You don't have to be nervous. You don't have to go anywhere. Get comfortable. Get a beanbag chair. Light a few candles, burn some fresh cut sage, you know. Um, if it's during the day, get an eye mask to block the light. Uh, they say the best times to do astral projection is early in the morning when the sun is rising or right before you go to bed. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it's because yeah. your, your body is still sort of in sleep mode at those times. Yeah. Number two, feel yourself relax. It's best to be in a relaxed state of mind for astral travel. So you might want to meditate for 10 minutes so your consciousness is open and receptive. Focus on your breathing. You know, most people have been taught to breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. But you got to do the opposite. In through the mouth, out through the nose. So breathe deeply in the mouth, slowly exhale through the nose. Helps move the energy in your body. Helps give you chopped lips as well. Maybe put on some uh, binaural beats, you know, that might help. Yeah. Well, it might help. It might, you know, you might get into like a meditative state. Allow yourself to almost fall asleep. So d don't be like super tired because I mean, you might actually really fall asleep, but you want to be physically relaxed while maintaining a wakeful mind. You know, you start noticing, if you get to this stage, you get to this, this point, you'll notice your senses heightening. They call this the vibration stage. You Are you, might, you're just describing what Buddhists do as well. This is what Buddhists do know. for 12 hours a day. Well, it is. They meditate? Is what, do they get the vibration they stage? to try and achieve nirvana. Maybe they actually project. That's Maybe that's what they're doing. Apparently what it is. I want to know, at which point do you string the noose over the rafters? Oh, that's, that that's a little free. later. That's later. Is it later? When your soul is trapped. All the buildup. But yeah, so you might. Uh, this is when you might see weird visual sounds. Your whole body is like vibrating, and so you just go with it. You go with it. Just you know, it's it's almost like you're you're super stoned, 
or you know, or you ate an edible and you're freaking out, but just go with it. Go with the flow. And this then me tonight. visualize a silver rope. Imagine a rope dangling from the ceiling just within your reach. And then attempt to grab the rope. But instead of just neck. grabbing it physically, you grab it with your mind. I oh, really thought you were going to say neck then. <laughs> no, one limb at, at, at one time. Like you get one limb over the other and just allow the rest of your body to follow as you climb up the rope. And once you get at this point, you know, the vibrations have died down. You roll out of bed, just move out and you're in your 3D body. It's simple as that. As simple as simple that, Simple as mate. that. There yeah. you go, and then you can go anywhere. Move to the other <laughs> end of the room, watch your body sleeping and on your waterbed, walk around a bit, you know, look in the mirror, touch stuff. You're in the astrals, all right? You're in the astral zone. You're in the planes. And right, then once right, you're right. done, you can snap back into your body, all right? Would you touch yourself? Oh, would I, like, masturbate in the astral plane? Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course would you, you not think want, about that. Would you not... Well, come on. Oh, wait, you're happened. saying if I was in the astral plane, would I jerk myself off? My Someone. physical self off? Yeah, why not? I guess I never thought would about that. Would you not, that. like, just give it a prod? Just to be like, this is... Because it'd be so fucking weird. You'd give it a go, wouldn't you? Well, would I blow myself or would I jerk myself off? No, that's that's a bit gay bumpy if you start blowing yourself. <laughs> Wait, you if I like... blew myself? How <laughs> yeah. would that be gay? It would be just me doing it. It's almost it's like masturbation. Are you saying masturbation's gay? No, because it's yourself. But like when a dick goes into a mouth and you're both the same gender, it's a bit it's a bit gay, isn't it? Yeah, but it's so your it dick. It's not someone else's dick. This is kind of like the question of is it gay if you slept with your if you, clone? Or if you suck your own dick. Yeah. If you suck your own dick, it's a bit gay. So it would be a bit gay if you were to just suddenly get on your Slept knees your as your astral body and start, sh- and start blowing your real life body. <laughs> <laughs> would that be, where would the cum go? Because you're an astral body, so would it just be like the cum would just fly in the air? I don't know. Would you have astral cum? There's a lot of astral questions cum. here. But that's the thing, people. Practice. And you can uh, stay in the astral plane and uh, wake yourself off while you're sleeping. These are the questions I want answered by science. Maybe that's what a nocturnal emission is. It's your astral body. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Your astral body waking your physical self off. Yeah, it could be. Sleepwalking. But be careful, people. Be careful. Because in the astrals, there's a lot of things out there. There's low-frequency entities there are creatures Ooh. that may want to seduce you. Ooh, succubus like entities. And incubus. Yeah, yes. they want to have sex with you or leech off your energy like parasites. You know? Um, there's some sometimes uh you might get into a soul trap. And that's where you a can be trap. Yeah, that's where you can be stuck. You can be stuck in a soul trap forever. Is that where the soul train takes you to the soul trap? It it can happen. Having a negative mindset will lower your frequency attracting these uh, evil beings that hang out by the soul traps. You know, you have to, you got to be really careful about this. Maybe I don't sleep wank. Maybe I'm, it's, is it an incubus for a woman or is it a succubus? Is it well, an they, incubus? You know who it probably is? Jimmy Savile. They say Jimmy Savile roams the astral planes, just groping Dee, kids. I'm, a, I'm in my 30s. What you, Jimmy Savile, I'm way too old for Jimmy Savile. I'm at least like 30 years He might years be going back in time. Oh my God. So I was a very good looking child, so it wouldn't surprise me. You've been warned, people. Be careful in the astral plane, <laughs> all right? We're not responsible for what happens. No. But I do hope everybody has a lucid wet dream. Why not? Yeah, go for it. Why not? I'm going to have one. Charlize Theron. 
Scarlett Johansson, a little Scojo action. Scojo. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> People, this is episode 786 here of Sick and Wrong. We've got some news stories coming up next. We've got some phone calls a little later in the show. But first, here's a word about our Patreon page. Listeners of Podcraft Sick and Wrong, tis time to tell thee of a magic land called Patreon, a world of things you never dreamed of in your maddest hour, like Wad's mum and that voyeuristic drunkard in the shower. There's smackhead tales from Schlitzy and quips from Jizzy Jake, delivered while a buxom wench devours his trouser snake. So join us in a realm where all true miscreants belong and journey to the hidden depths of planet sick and wrong. So first story we have here has to do with uh, two brothers who slaughtered their family and left it behind a bizarre suicide note. Oh. Did you hear about exciting. this one? I've heard about this one, but I didn't... I... I haven't seen the bizarre suicide note. I'm it's excited. one of the best suicide notes I've heard in a long time. Is it um, as good as Israel Keys? Because he left the best suicide note of all Israel time. Israel Keys did leave a good one, but this one I'm saying his, ama- his is like a work of art. I would say this one is. Uh, I don't know. It, it, this one's unique in the sense that it references a popular American sitcom. Oh my word! I cannot wait for this. Two Texas brothers accused of slaughtering four family members before killing themselves said they easily got weapons because gun control is, quote, a joke. They're right. Lol. And they were sent off the rails from watching TV's The Office. The American Office or the British Office? Well, at first I was wondering about that, if it's the UK or the English version, because... Um, there's a difference there's totally a difference I, you know, I personally i've always preferred the uk version because it's the first one i saw but then i think i talked about this on the show not too long ago but then uh yeah. I don't know, maybe like two years ago uh my ex was a huge fan of the american office she's like well i'll show you why the office is is good and so she she like cherry picked a bunch of episodes because I mean there's like what twelve seasons or something or nine there's seasons too many seasons nine, right it goes on for too, far too long yeah there's yeah it's great, crazy it's got heart and soul the American Office it does well she showed me like a handful of episodes and I was like yeah actually this is kind of funny they do their own thing it's not like they a do. direct uh, replica of the UK version yeah and that's why it's good but I still prefer the UK version it's hilarious um. In a rambling 12-page note, initially posted to his Instagram page, Farhan Tohid, 19, said that he and his 21-year-old brother, Tanvir Tohid, were united in manic depression and all-day TV-watching sessions of the U.S. office. All day, every day, just nonstop. First and foremost, the uh, the most important show in our lives is The Office, Farhan <laughs> so wrote funny. in the note. He said, hey, everyone. He also wrote, uh, the note started, actually. The beginning of the note was, hey, everyone, I just killed myself and my family. But oh. in the they note. They could have opened with a quote. I yeah, no, that's what I was about to say. Quote. Like a Steve Carell quote or something. A Dwight. Um, so I Dwight, would have gone with a yeah, Dwight. Yeah, maybe Dwight. Yeah. A Dwight quote. But yeah, it started. The note started. Hey, everyone! I killed my family, 
myself and my family. But then he starts getting into some details about The Office. Uh, the Steve Carell comedy was one of four very important issues I encountered throughout my life. The guy's only 19, keep in mind. Okay, um, right. He then ranted at length about how the show should have ended when Michael left. Because it eventually just went to shit. And he was complaining about the plot and the character developments just enraged him. Like where they went after. What was that? What season was that? Oh, God. I think he left in like the eight or eight season. I think it was a seventh season. season, actually. But I totally agree. Even though I do love James Spader, and I think he does a great job as being the, the Lizard King. Yeah. When Michael Scott left the office, the show was dead. They cut it off, and I don't know why they carried it well, on. Did he leave to do Anchorman? Is that what happened? No, this is like kind of after Anchorman, isn't it? Like he just why, left because he'd he done he just... fucking telly for nine seasons. That's like a hard on the body. It's like not easy to film a telly show. But, you know, didn't he return in the final season or did he just return the final episode? He returns in like I never the final watched that episode far. or something. Yeah, oh, so he I wasn't, like, he didn't return. Yeah. Did no, you watch the whole Michael thing? Spot. Yeah, Michael Scott never returns properly. It's like James Spader and they had Will Farrell and like a bunch of other people. But it's like, it's pretty shitty. I've forgotten the last couple of seasons. Even the last episode, I don't think is a very good last episode. Who? Well, you'd agree here with Toehead. Um, who is the, Spader is only in, the la- in uh, season eight, right? So was- Carell left, Spader replaced him. Then did Spader leave? Yeah, then Spader gets fired, and then I can't... Oh, it's Catherine Tate for a while as well. That's shitty. Spader's good, though. Okay, so I can see why this guy would be getting upset here and contemplate murdering his family. Yeah, Um, I'm with him on both these issues. The family might have been like, no, there's no problem here. We we enjoy James Spader. We enjoy Catherine Tate. We just enjoy the show, and I bet you the boys are like, you're out of your fucking mind. Yeah. There's no show without Steve Carell. Um, he goes on to say, people say the finale makes up for it, which is a complete lie. Sure, it was it cute, is. but it doesn't justify the last few shitty seasons we had to deal with. This is also how I feel about It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I could murder people over because that show used to be so good. And now it's like one of the worst shows ever. God, how many seasons is that on now? That's in its 13th season. And it should, apart from like a couple of episodes, it should have ended on its like eighth it's terrible. I think I, I couldn't watched... even finish watching the last season. It was so cringy. Uh, yeah, I stopped watching that a long time ago. Right when, sort of when Danny DeVito joined the show. That's when you stopped watching. He joined in the second series, do you? Maybe there's a third season is when I stopped. What? Well, all the best episodes are in like the sixth season and the seventh. So you've missed out. Maybe. Maybe, maybe I'll go back. I, I don't watch, I don't watch uh, sitcoms. I hate, I hate the entire uh, genre of sitcoms. It's it's always Sunny has jumped the, the shark format. and they did a long time ago. It needs to stop. It needs to die. Are you going to murder it, your family now? I will murder for that show <laughs> to stop. Yes. Um, he goes on to say, I have a lot more to say about it, but life is short. This kid, <laughs> this kid takes the office seriously. So fucking seriously. You know, I think I think that show jumped the shark at Jim and Pam's wedding, personally. Ugh. Personally, I think Pam is the biggest villain in that uh, in the office. Um, and yeah, they should never have married Jim. You could do better than Pam. Is this what he's writing in his suicide note? I think I don't have that part, but I'm thinking he probably did. I I'm, I'm getting the, the summary from the New York Post. 
Um, he goes on to say, we kept watching until February 21st, 2021, which means he's oh just God, watching the reruns. Oh, yeah, this is they're my watching birthday. to your birthday. That oh. is the day Kate was born, but it's also the day his older brother came into the room with a proposition. If we can't fix everything in a year, we'll kill ourselves and our family. Right. Yeah. In a he, year. Well, that's the thing. They said they're going to keep watching until February 21st, 2021, till your birthday. But if they can't fix everything in a year, and I don't know if he means the show, show or if their own lives. I personally, why not try The Good Place? The like, good that's place. a decent one. Yeah, have you seen The Good Place? No, what's The Good Place about? That's another sitcom. It's about like they go to hell and they have to deal with Ted Danson in hell and he's like a demon. Oh, Ted Danson. I like Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah. A little yeah. dancing man. Or, or go for a classic like Seinfeld or something. Or who's oh, the boss? Oh, please, no, not Seinfeld. Well, well, there's plenty of seasons. Seinfeld never jumped the shark. Jerry Seinfeld never left the show. I don't know what it would have been the, called then. Kramer? The Larry Sanders show. That's what they should have been obsessed with. The Larry Sanders show. Larry Sanders show. That's a good one. Or the Very young good. ones. Watch the young ones. That the show young never ones. jumped the shark. <laughs> Bottom. Watch bottom and understand British humor. So uh, they eventually decided that they're just biding their time. Waiting a whole year was going to be too long, so why not just wait a month? Uh, so their plan was simple. They, they went and got two guns. They took one to shoot the sister and the grandma, and then the brother would go kill the parents with the other gun, and then they oh. would both just take you know, themselves out. So that's, that's the whole plan. So you go kill sister and grandma, you go kill parents, and then we just take ourselves out. And we'll reconvene like um, Eric and Dylan, and we'll just blow our brains out in the library. Got yeah, it. pretty much. Um, that's what the Bangladeshi brothers did uh, a couple Saturdays ago at the family's home in Allen, Texas. Uh, they're accused of slaughtering four family members before killing themselves. Um, and, 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 and in order to get the weapons... They claim that they uh, they had to lie about their mental health to get the weapons. What and say they were healthy when they yeah well not. the well that's the thing you can you can have like a you know mental health issue and they're just gonna be like so do you have any mental health problems and you're just like no no fine they don't care they don't even do a background Here you check. Go. Here's your assault rifle. Have fun. So yeah, they shot dead their father, Tohidul Islam. 54 and their mother Irene Islam and there's um 77 year old grandmother Altafun Nessa who is visiting from Bangladesh they also killed Farhan's 19 year old twin sister Farben who had a full scholarship to NYU that's terrible yeah cut her down to prime um and then they turned the guns on themselves all six victims were discovered by police dead with gunshot wounds during a wellness check at 1 a.m. after a neighbor reported hearing gunshots. Uh, the brothers assumed that getting guns would be one of the more challenging parts of the planned suicide. That's what they said in the note. Like, you know, it's going to be difficult for a 19-year-old, a 21-year-old with a history of mental health problems to go and just waltz into a gun store and buy a gun. Instead, they found that gun control in the U.S. is a joke quote that's fun also funny because eric and dylan also thought that it was going to be the hardest part to get the guns but it was actually the easiest part for them well, well. they, they so just took their changed. relatives guns though no they got bun- guns bought for them at a gun show by a friend 
Oh, I thought they. Uh, I thought you know they nothing also... about Columbine. Every every couple of weeks, you come out with something about Columbine. You know, we're gonna have to do a Columbine episode just because you know nothing. I I swear, I read that they had their parent or like an uncle's gun or a relative's guns. No, they had guns bought from them from a, a gun. Did show. a relative buy the gun at the no, gun show? No, a friend. So a friend bought them guns. Oh, okay. I guess I was mistaken. Sometimes I get them confused because there's so many high school shootings. That's true, but they're the OGs, aren't they? They are. They're, 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 yeah, the, they're, they're the OGs. They're the original. He said, all my brother had to do was go to a gun shop, say he wanted a gun for home defense, sign a couple forms. That was it. And they even asked one question about, hey, do you have any mental illnesses? But get this. He lied. He literally oh just said no. They didn't ask for any proof. They didn't ask him if he was taking any medication. And uh, he just writes at the end, thanks for making this process so easy. Um, <laughs> didn't ask if he could ask astrally project. <laughs> just gave him a gun. He said, I've America. had depression since the ninth grade. Not the damn I failed my test depression everyone says they have. More like, I only cut myself twice today. That's better than usual. That type of depression. Oh, he's such an emo. When he was talking about his brother, he said, the dude's a fucking genius, but it's too depressed and socially anxious to do anything with it. Um, Farhan then goes on to detail his depression, forced him to drop out of University of Texas, Austin, where he had been a computer science student. You know, this this kid definitely had a lot of uh, a lot going for him. I mean, it sucks that he had depression, but he definitely had a lot of opportunity. But, they all sound like they've got good scholarships and stuff to some good unis. Yeah, but he's definitely mental. He said uh, at university, he only cried, laughed, and punched a wall for hours. Oh, my word. Imagine having to live in a dorm with that guy. Yeah, could you imagine being his doormate? Oh, like, he's I'm, crying again. He's crying again leave. and punching the wall for hours. He said some days weren't so bad, other times he was completely broken. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of ups and downs there. And you just want to sit there and listen to Pink Floyd and get high. Meanwhile, your neighbor's just smashing his head into the wall. Oh, God. Um, and you're having to, having to listen to Scott's tots for like fucking the 50th time that week. Oh, no God. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. He's probably only watching The Office. <laughs> and then it would suck, too, if you bring a girl back and they're going to deal with that. Yeah, it'd be, be awkward. Um, Farhan said that he and his brother killed the family out of love. Oh, they always say that. He said, no matter what I do, I just can't be happy. But the gruesome plot was based on pure logic, he insisted. I love my family. I genuinely do. And that's why we had to kill them. He said, if I kill myself, they would be miserable. They would spend the rest of their lives feeling guilty, uh, feeling despair, and a multitude of other adjectives You know about this. So if uh, we just took them with us, and we killed them, no one ever is going to have to feel sad again. Now, now that's, yeah. some, that's some fucking chutzpah. This kid has a hell of an ego. I think this they would be so relieved. Trope, but I think they would be so relieved. Like, seriously, don't you think if you grew up with this kid or you're his dorm you know, roommate or whatever, would you be so relieved that you don't have to deal with his mental ass anymore? You, do you know what? You would never have to hear the fucking office theme tune ever the fuck again. God, I, mean, I would it, play that as they lowered his uh, 
um, coffin into the ground. (laughs) (laughs) I I almost want to look that up. Um, But yeah, like, could you imagine, like, if I was the sister, I'd be like, oh, God. You know, every time you hear him watching The Office and bitching about it, because I bet you they watch The Office and then just bitch about it incessantly over dinner. You know, probably I bet it's that's, all well, because he's mental. He's not in uni anymore. So he's at home all day watching The Office with his mental brother. And they're both like sitting there bitching about The Office all day. I would want to kill my fucking self. I'd want to kill the family. I'd kill them for sure. Yeah, I would not be coming home from fucking uni. That's a, that's a guarantee. That poor grandmother as well, traveling all the way over from Bangladesh just to have to be forced to watch The Office. And then for get days murdered. Before she was murdered. Yeah. yeah oh. But just for him to think like, you know, the family would just be full of guilt and despair. They couldn't go oh, on without us. they could not us. go on without me. Yeah, yeah. What a dickhead. Yeah, you're an asshole, Farhad. Um, he also admitted, if I'm going to die, I might as well get some attention. But there's what, the, tr- see, there's the true motivation. That is the true motivation. Yeah. Um, police said, uh, you know, that, that they had no prior indication that, that that there's any you know this tragedy is about to happen um a family friend said that everyone knew the family's heartbroken uh, my favorite is a former landlord said that the father was a wonderful man and his wife a beautiful woman uh, and they're very nice people um she said that uh, the, the father was a baker he made bread in a fancy restaurant, and then he also, while he was working at the restaurant, was getting a master's degree. He got his master's. He, the father, a hardworking guy, really happy. Yeah. She said the brothers had some problems. She said one of the boy goes to a special school. He talks slow. He needs special oh. teachers. So is she just putting it politely, politely that he's a he's bit a of a rotundo? Yeah. Yeah, politely. I, I mean, yeah. If you ask me, it is a tragedy, though. You know, Steve Carell never should have left the office. He never should have. <laughs> this is what happened, Steve. <laughs> this is all your Look what fault. you caused, Steve. Yeah, you did this. Fuck me. May this rest heavy on your soul. <laughs> what do you have here for the second story? I have something that should be a film, and it is that hmm. an ex-paramedic accused of using eye drops to kill his wife also set a helicopter on fire. I think this is the plot of Lethal Weapon too. This is more exciting than the plot of Lethal Weapon 2, <laughs> one of the most boring films ever made. Joshua Hunsucker was charged on Monday with felony burning personal property for the November 26, 2019 in-flight incident. He's a North Carolina paramedic, and he was also accused of using eye drops to kill his wife, as well as eye setting drops. a medical helicopter on fire. I'll get into how eye drops can kill you. Yeah, but I think you can I've heard of putting eye drops like in your wife's coffee to give her diarrhea. Oh, is that something you, from your own personal past? From I just stash? I you know, someone a friend of mine said that you know, that that's something you could do to yeah. your ex-girlfriend. Your your friend. A friend yeah. of mine, yeah. Uh-huh. So this <laughs> this in-flight incident occurred. So he's like burning this helicopter while he's flying it. It occurred about a month before he was arrested in connection with the 2018 death of his 32-year-old wife, Stacy Hunsucker. Was uh, this his helicopter? Uh, no, he's a paramedic. He's flying it. He allegedly torched a syringe pump while inside of the chopper as it was flying over Charlotte. And the helicopter had Why? to make an emergency landing. 
in a V because it's fucking cool. A helicopter well, it on is fire. fire is really cool. And a helicopter fire is, cool. fire is very cool. It's but fucking cool. Is he in the I've, helicopter? I've always wanted to go on a chopper. Get, get to the chopper, do it now. I've always wanted to do that. Get to the chopper. Never. Have you ever been in a chopper? Yeah, yeah. a couple times. Have you? Yeah. Oh, I'm really jealous. I've always wanted to do it. Oh, it's I really just, cool. I just want to wear the headset. That's mainly what I want to do inside of it. And just make some anti-inflammatory remarks about the people on the ground. Well, I wouldn't make flammatory remarks. <laughs> like this guy did. Well, I don't understand. Like the guy's in the helicopter, right? He's in the chopper. Yes, because he's a he's in um the chopper. And he lights um, the thing on fire. I don't see what how that would work out very well for him. Well, the uh, the hospital said that nothing is more important for our emergency medical crews and safety, especially for those who are in flight. If what Mr. Hunsucker is charged with is true, it is unfathomable unfathomable to us what may have possessed him to endanger himself and others in such a way. We are extremely thankful that our pilot was able to land safely and that no one was injured and especially grateful that there was no patients on board. So he was going to take out him and the uh, the pilot. He didn't give a fuck. Oh, so he was on like a murder-suicide bent here. I think so. Just Was, to take it, was he also out. upset about Steve Carell leaving the office? I d he doesn't seem like an office watcher. This guy this probably watches Mr. ER Hunter or Sucker. something like that. Probably, Anatomy. Well, yeah. Or um, oh god, what's the British one that's on the BBC? I can't think today. It's gonna come to me in a bit. So Hunsucker, he was charged with first degree murder in December 2019 for the 2018 death of Stacy, his high school sweetheart wife. Um, <laughs> the North Carolina Department of Insurance they began investigating her death. Because her mother, um, Susie, she accused Hunsucker of insurance fraud. Typical. Oh, all right, all right. That makes sense. A after she learned of a relationship that she believed he was having prior to his wife's death, because he collected a quarter of a mil in life insurance after she died. So, it's so typical. You know, I can understand if you're making a million dollars, but like 250 grand is not even that much money. In North Carolina, that's a fair bit of change, is it not? Well, I guess you'd buy a really nice house there, but I mean, is that worth potentially being charged with murder? He obviously thought so. I guess. Uh, his colleagues, his other paramedics, they told investigators that he seemed unaffected by his wife's death and that he swiftly moved in with his new girlfriend into the home that he had shared with his wife. So out, you know, you close the door and open a window. In oh, he's at Applebee's lover. hitting on the waitress. <laughs> Applebee's. Next, yeah, next thing you know, he's just like moving in with the uh, the home wrecker. Wow. Yeah. He also gave multiple accounts of where he was before he said he found his wife slumped over the side of the couch at the home. To a friend, he allegedly said that he had gone out for a little walk, a little stroll around the neighborhood. Um, to him, his mother-in-law, he said that he was working on his computer in the kitchen when he noticed that his wife had slumped on the couch. Hmm. So right. that's well, already bad. Though. It's already bad that he's given different versions of events. You stick to your story, mate. So he also refused to have an autopsy performed on his wife, and she was just cremated. But because she was an organ donor, so this is why you should always be an organ donor in case shit like this happens, a blood sample had been saved, and that was taken to the lab for testing, which had been, and then it was found to have high levels of tetrahydrozoline. Rosaline, which is an ingredient found in eye drops. If hmm. taken in large quantities, it will attack 
the nervous system. It causes chills, sweats, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, and eventually death. Diarrhea. So that's See, that's what I'm telling you. You know everything about diarrhea, right? But no, I'm just saying it's a great diarrhea. way for this friend of mine to <laughs> give a you know an ex girlfriend to get diarrhea. some revenge on <laughs> to get some bowel <laughs> so revenge. How did he how did he give it to her? Like, how do you I actually couldn't it? find that out. I think oh. he probably just put it in a coffee. So oh. you know, in the morning she was probably like, Oh yeah, one of my friend right my old Asian babes drummer, Neil, his uh, his uh, morning breakfast was always like a cigarette and a cup of coffee and he used to call it a shortcut to a shit. Well, it is, I mean you do both of those. It is yeah. Take a shit. So you can imagine if he's putting it in her morning coffee. Well, he's putting he's like, like yeah. I'm wondering, and then how she has much? to go to the bathroom. I mean, if you I wanted actually... diarrhea, it's like a cat falls a little bit, you know, but I mean, yeah, like, like how much to kill somebody he must have done a whole like thing. A couple of bottles, I would imagine. Yeah, I wonder how You we... know what he reminds me of, you know, on Dumb and Dumber when he's got the Ipecac and he's putting it in, <laughs> in his coffee and he's forcing <laughs> him to drink it. <laughs> That's what I'm playing in my head right now. Yeah, but so, the cat makes you vomit. As he is a, a flight paramedic. Oh, well, what is it? He gives him a, he just gives him a, a laxative, uh, yeah. a thing in Dumb and Dumber. So they said that because he's a flight paramedic, his training and experience would certainly provide a thorough understanding of various types of medication and how those medications can react in the body. Additionally, his employment provides access to non-controlled substances, which do not require logging or inventory control. So he's probably using like the primo grade. Eye drops. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm wondering, like, what... Because, yeah, it's definitely probably not, like, a store-bought No, it's chemicals. not the ones that brighten your eyes or anything like that. This yeah, is, like, yeah. the probably proper, get, proper yeah. ones. And he probably is mixing it with something. He probably did research. That's probably what he was on his computer for. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. The medicine has a dramatic effect on your heart, and it would cause heart stoppage or heart failure. Uh, we have probable cause he poisoned Mrs. Hunsucker with Visceline, which caused her death. Um, the same guy, Green, said that Hunsucker was on administrative leave and under investigation after being accused of misconduct at the time of his arrest, obviously to do with the fact that he's murdered his wife. So there's been a GoFundMe page, as there always fucking is, that just one pops up now, set up for Stacy. Um, because she had been experiencing medical problems after they she had given birth to her daughter Piper. Oh, but they have a kid. They have a kid, and she also had a pacemaker. So she's like pretty easy to kill. She's got yeah. a weak heart. Yeah, doesn't he just have to put the microwave near her? It's not that hard. With <laughs> a <The> pacemaker. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like why why go the whole like poison her with like eye drop solution here? Yeah. Doesn't make any What about the kid? Piper. Well, now she is fatherless and motherless. But she she's called Piper, though, so I wasn't expecting to hold out much hope for her. No, stripper for sure. Piper! No no wonder he tried to do the whole murder-suicide in the, in the chopper. I mean, he probably was like, you know, the gig's up. I'm going to go to jail here for murdering my wife, so I might as well just, like, burn the chopper down. Burn the chopper! Do burn it now! <laughs> yeah, it sounds like that's what happened. So... So he's dead. Oh, I guess he's uh, going to go to prison. And uh, well, how yeah. old is Piper? Piper was born in 2013. So she's like eight. Is that oh, eight? Eight-year-old Eight-ish? Piper. 
yeah, a friend of the family. There's always a friend who pops up at this time, isn't there? Mm, who comes and yeah. gives a, a nice little statement about the family. Uh, the, she said she was shocked when she heard the news. She was shocked, D. Simon. I mean, she did not deserve for this to happen to her. She was a great mother. She was a happy person. That's all she could say about it, though. <laughs> so he's been booked. He's been released on 50 grand bail on Monday for this latest charge. And he is uh, to appear in court on May 18th, so it's still pending. It's still going. But he got released on a $50,000 bond for murder? He's he's, he's, his murder trial is still pending. He is out for the destruction of the chopper. Oh, for destruction of the chopper. That guy should be yeah. on suicide watch. Do you think? I think he's, uh, he, he's just going he to bop about and go Burn down the chopper. I think he's going to try to snuff it. Do you think maybe he is? Maybe yeah. he'll like blow up, blow up his uh, Charlotte, Charlotte home. Apparently, North Carolina is beautiful. Have you ever been? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Family, my, uh, my father's family moved from England to uh, Jacksonville. Oh North yeah, Carolina. so they did. Yeah, yeah. they're in Charlotte, yeah, which seems really nice. I'm thinking this guy is going to commit suicide, and we're going to find a bizarre, rambling suicide note post on Instagram about Brooklyn Nine Nine dropping. Jumping the you shark. always mention this show. You <laughs> you actually watch that show, don't you? Every day. All day. Every day. <laughs> and it jumped the shark, all right? Not for no, you. I don't even know who's in it. I like to mention it, though. You do. Yeah. Anyway, people send your stories. Cigarettepodcast.gmail.com. Uh, we got some phone calls to get to. We have some good ones. Actually, there's a really good one that I would, uh, I think you should pay attention to, actually. Who, me? Um, yeah, it's directed towards you, and oh, it my echoes some of my sentiments um, about you. So, oh, no. Um, yeah. It's not an ex-boyfriend, is it? No, but it's someone who's as concerned about you as I am, and I'm sure a lot of the listeners are also concerned. Um, anyway, oh, we're going to get to some phone calls in just a minute, but first, here's a word from Adam and Eve. Hey, guys. It's me, Stephen. I'm a huge fan of your show. Thanks to your awesome coupon code, Diddle, I can buy myself loads of good sex toys. Since both of my wives died, and my Luke Eric's disease got pretty bad, let's just say things in the bedroom got pretty boring. But thanks to adamandeve.com and coupon code diddle, D-I-D-D-L-E. I am now a new man. Thanks. So we got a few phone calls to get to. 323-522-4032 is that number. Remember, people, keep it under three minutes. And if you call now, you can hear my lovely um, answer machine message. And I've never I would heard say it. it's lovely. You, what? Is You've it never lovely? called it just to hear it. What? Why am I ringing up the, the phone line just to hear your voicemail? I already have to listen to enough message? of your voice during the week. <laughs> <laughs> Leave you a message. Maybe I, can, I will one day that. just to leave you a message. You or or to hear it. But um, hear it. anyway, we got some good calls today, and I'm about to play a few. Um, this first one actually isn't a great call, but the next oh. two are great calls. Uh, this first one's more of an informative call. I'd say you could almost say it's constructive criticism. Right. My question is, 
what's constructive about it. Oh. Hey, B and Kate. So you guys are constantly talking about all these photographs that you have that you're looking at. Where can we see those? I have a suggestion where you could allow us to see them is by using the chapter artwork feature of the uh, podcast app. Um, when you mention a photo, you could actually embed that into... I have a suggestion where you can see them. <laughs> is it going to be the same answer I'm about to give? Yeah, on YouTube, mate. On YouTube. Yeah, John Lithgow. Go he look at the YouTube like live stream. He kind of he also sounds like he could maybe be Bonavillain's dad. Or boner villain actually projected into, as a dad. You know, yeah. Yeah. Years from now. Podcast feed so we can see it. And I think that would be really cool. Anyway, <laughs> it'd be I think real you're doing cool. Really great. I really wish it didn't run so long, though. Two what? hours, man. Uh, but well, no one's forcing you to. <laughs> hey, keep it keep long. <laughs> Listen to it in two halves. <laughs> if it's too fucking long for you, there's no thing. Listen from start to finish. Yeah, listen to it in like sections. You don't have to listen, sit there, listen to the whole fucking thing. God, John Lithgow just listens to podcasts <laughs> from the beginning to the end. John Lithgow does not like dancing and he does not like long podcasts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what he thought. Like, it's a good thing we're not dancing on the podcast. Yeah, well, my simple explanation for this guy, if he wants to see the photos, is like we like to. Some people only like to watch YouTube streams, and some people like to listen to podcasts. So it's like a benefit. It's a bonus for the YouTube streamers if you want to come and see the pictures. We want to get across as many different platforms as we can, and we want to have different bonuses across them. So it's different each for each person. Otherwise, you're just doing the same old fucking thing. And plus, like going to extra work. And well, embedding pictures and like, oh. My explanation is I don't even know how to fucking do that. <laughs> I know You're how the to, dad. Like, yeah, no, I mean, I don't. I'm, I have no idea through the fucking way I post the podcast. I've been doing the same posting of the podcast for, what, 15 years now? <laughs> like, I don't even know how I would do how that. Do but we do it on, uh, yeah, we do it on YouTube. So you can go check out the live stream. And uh, we usually uh, post pictures there. As for the mm -hmm. length of the show, one of the reasons I first started listening to the show is because I I listen to a lot of podcasts. I need to have a lot of hours filled. At the time, I was working 50, 60 hours a week. So I needed 50, 60 hours worth of podcasts and or music. And when I first started listening to the show, I was like, oh, wow, each episode is like an hour and a half, two hours. That means I can listen to eight in one day and my fucking work day is done. So... Well me personally, I wish it was just about twenty minutes so I can get the <laughs> fuck out of here and go watch Pornhub. Do you know what? Everyone's a everyone's a critic, aren't they? But not everyone's an artist. If we shorten the show, <laughs> there's going to be people complaining. If we keep the show the same length, people will complain. You just can't please everyone, mate. You just this guy. I'm sure he's very nice, but he's a book guy. Do you know what, what I mean by that? Butts? He's a book guy. No, he's the type of person oh. that would go, "I love you, but." Oh, nothing's ever good enough for this guy. He's a book guy. Yeah, he's a book guy. I bet you he's also an ass man, though. He's, he sounds like a guy that's into, into girls' asses. 
I've, I'm but, kind of an ass man myself. I was so. about to say, I like a, a tits over ass. No, I cho I choose the ass too. Although no, I'm an ass man. some asses can get too big. Like Kim Kardashian's too big. You want it to be in yeah. proportion to the body. But I, yeah, asses are better than titties. Well, you know, actually, I, I want to pose this question to the audience. Do you guys like, because me and Harrison usually did it. It was usually about an hour and a half. It always around an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. Then uh, Kate came on, it was around, started getting closer to two hours, sometimes a little longer, sometimes a little less. Um, it's sort of, I, you know, I don't really try to, I don't really go out of my way to edit. I barely even edit the show these days. Um, so I don't really put much effort into doing that or to like making it shorter. Because I, I kind of feel like people like long form radio. You look at shows like uh, fucking well, Joe Rogan. Howard Stern. Or Howard, or Howard Stern does it for like four hours. Yeah, Joe Rogan's about three hours as well. Three, isn't three it? and a half. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. I think that's I think that's long. But the fact of the matter is, you don't have to listen to it all in one sitting. You know, a lot of people like to listen to it while they're driving to work. Listen to the first part. That's why we split into thirds. We do an intro, do stories, and then we do uh, phone calls. Yeah, so, John Lithgow, Dad. You can just like listen to it in two parts. Like nobody's saying you have to listen to it all in one go, mate. Like, <laughs> you can listen to it in two parts or and three then he's parts. Like, and what are you doing while you're listening? Just staring at your phone to see the pictures? Like, you can look at the pictures on YouTube, or I know people who'll just go and Google the pictures afterwards. Like, because that's where we get them from. We're not like taking them out of books <laughs> that you can only buy from specialist bookstores. They're from Google. Yeah, I'm interested right. to hear what uh, people, if people like it uh, longer. Because I know I've, I saw on Discord people say, I really like the long, the longer shows now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. To each their own. That's what I say. Yeah, no matter what you do, there's always going to be somebody who will complain. Fuck it, no I just go what. watch Pornhub. Um, all right, thank <laughs> you, John Lithgow. All right, this next call echoes my concerns about Kate. I listened to this call, you know, I listened right. to it because I bet the calls and I was just like, I completely agree with you. I have the same concerns. Oh no. Right, hi you Kate, how you do? Kate, <gasps> it's your mum here and I'm very ah! worried about you. I'm worried too. I'm just listening to the latest podcast and I, I don't understand your vagina. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> it's even more confusing Same reaction. than a circumcised cock. Oh, my God. What do you mean that you fart out of the back and it goes in the front and then you have to fart it out again? Yeah, like and when you what sat do you down. Mean? That's a normal thing. It happens to all women. We just don't speak about it. <laughs> I completely agree. Honestly, it happens. There's memes about it. There's memes about it. Like it's it usually totally it happens normal. when you sat normal. it happens when you're sat down. <laughs> it does. <laughs> Mum, I will show you the memes. <laughs> I will send you the memes, Mum, to prove that we are not alone. I hate to tell you. It doesn't happen to all women. I'm 50 years old and that has never happened once. And I have farted like a trooper. I have farted <laughs> once in the car and the whole of my family didn't even ask if it was me. They just assumed it was the dog. So I'm kind of an expert at farting. And it, it is... Dude, Epic Farter just blew his load just now. Epic Farter has much to learn from my mother. He's going to grow. Like a trooper. Like a trooper. Thing, I'm really, really worried. I'm worried <laughs> because of the two reasons. A, I'm now consider yourself, uh, you 
my daughter <laughs> and B, because I'm a nurse and I kind of know quite a lot about fannies and it, I've never come across this before. I'm going to have to discuss it with all my friends and get back to you. I it happens you when you're sitting down, Mum. No, I completely agree. I'm very concerned about what's going down down there. It happens, it happens when you're sitting down and like usually it happens when you're trying to do like a, a silent fart. So you like creep out and it creeps up and then it, it creeps up. I That's don't know what, what she's eating. I don't know what she's drinking. But well, something I'm a vegetarian. Is, something's so. producing this gas that goes <laughs> recto, rectovaginal gas here. She's like, it, probably what my mum is thinking. She's thinking that it goes like straight up to my uterus. It does it. Like, you know, it's like, a, like I said on the show, it's like a, a fancy harpist at a few, uh, wedding. It like creeps past. But that's like going from your asshole free but your you're saying coming it, up. And they're both silent when you pass them through the both orifices. Yes. <laughs> it happens when you're sitting down, Mum, honestly. There are me. You've just... Um, sure. I'm just speechless. I can't I'm even speechless believe too. That I'm shocked. I've listened to that. Um, I'm very worried. I'm off to Google now and speak to everybody I know to find out if it is a thing. And if it is a thing, then I'm going to have to figure out Ring what back. to do because I must be farting wrong because I have never farted from the back into the front and out again. Sounds like fun, though. So That's anyway, what she thinks. the sun's shining, yeah. I'm going in the garden and I'm going to have a little play. <laughs> With my thoughts. <laughs> anyway, see you later. Love you. Bye. You know, I love my mom. Kate's She's mom. Awesome. I completely agree with you. I'm very concerned. When Kate first mentioned it to me, I was concerned about her diet. But then I was thinking about this. I was thinking she might have a rectovaginal fistula. You've looked this up. No, what I have is a diamond level pussy, and it's more rectovaginal like rectovaginal fistula. Yeah, I'm not Freddie Mercury. It's an abnormal connection between the lower portion of your large intestine, your rectum, and your vagina, and that's why your bowel contents are leaking through the fistula into your vag. (laughs) You're taking this too far now, Steve (laughs) Simon. Bowel contents are not coming through my vagina. Well, bowel contents like means gas too. Like it can allow gas, gas to slip it in It happens there. when you sit down, you know, like it's just the pressure. It's like the guy was saying, he will fart and it'll tickle his balls. Is basically but the same kind of thing. they're not going into his cock hole. Like I think well, that's the thing. No, because they're going near the cock hole. They're near the ball hole. The well, ball hole. <laughs> what I'm I know, saying. I know balls don't have holes. What I'm saying, maybe your anus and your vagina are too close together and that's what's causing the problem and you should wear like stop wearing the thongs like maybe you should wear looser fitting underwear maybe get a girdle or something do you think it's the, i do wear a lot of tight fitting trousers hysterectomy pants my mother calls the first note have nowhere else to go they can't they escape nowhere, they, they can't yeah, escape they can only go and obviously because i have a diamond level pussy it's uh, and i've had no i've never had children like it sucks up like the it's kind of like a black hole anything that goes with it it's just so tight it's just gonna pull things in. well my question is it a white diamond or a brown diamond <laughs> Benny. i agree i agree kate's mom i'm very concerned and i think kate might need to get checked out kate 
Kate's mom. There are memes about it. There's actually Reddit threads about this. Um, this is why I was when I first was like, oh shit, that happens to other people. That's you know, it's you know, totally a normal thing. It I is. mentioned it to my sister. My sister was like, yeah, Vart. There you go. My, yeah, my right? sister. My sister knew the term, but I'm not surprised. Yes, She's my irritable bowel term. sister. I'm but. not surprised about that. I've been concerned about her plumbing her. for a long time. Are you um, saying that you think about your sister's plumbing? No, but I think about her irritable she bowels. She forces you, to be fair. She does tell you everything. <laughs> uh, yeah, so me and Stephanie, me and Stephanie, they're varting away. Queen varts <laughs> so, over here. It sounds like so posh, doesn't it? Yes, I just had a vart. So well, Kate's mum, it's called a vart. It's the way my sister was just like, oh yeah, it's a vart. And yeah. I was just like, what? How do you know this? It happens, man. <laughs> sorry, I'm, sorry, Kate's mum. Kate's mum, I'm very concerned as well. All right. <laughs> I love her. <laughs> I don't think this next caller varts. I could be wrong, but I just don't think she does by the sound of her voice. Oh. Hello, it's Psychopathia Sexualis again. Um, yeah. This time, phoning in with a terrible condom story. It's when I was at uni, so I was 19, um, I hooked up with some random guy, I think from Tinder, and he was he was quite full of energy and he went a, you know a good two or three rounds um he's probably in his 30s and two or three rounds in your 30s 30s isn't old d <laughs> i was like maybe one and a half what you couldn't do two or three rounds well, the half would 30s. be the blowjob so you can play oh. with your nunchucks for like hours but you can't <laughs> fucking shag <laughs> I think that's true of most people to play with nunchucks in their thirties. They can't sh- They don't. They don't have the opportunity to shag, right? Yeah, because they're too busy playing with their nunchucks. It was a long cock. It was quite thin. I think. Um, uh, we, all we've all been there. Together a thin, the long cock. And I remember this one because he he wanted to go again, but after the third time, I was tired. I'd had lectures all day. Um, so I was, I sent. It's got to be after three times. That's a lot. Yeah, f- three times is like, yeah, it depends how drunk you are, but three times is probably the thing where I'm like, yeah, fuck it, I'm, I'm a bit bored of being yeah, drunk. You, now. Yeah, but don't you get like yeah. sore? It's like, well, maybe not long. You can be sore, but you cannot, yeah, it would just be like, it depends on the length and like his cock doesn't sound spectacular either. So it was probably a bit like, yeah. Underwhelming. Yeah. Underwhelming cock is like the worst type of cock to get on his merry way it wasn't until a few hours later i thought something's wrong here and I, w- I went to the loo and found the tip of the condom inside me what, what? Come, tip just the tip which just was a surprise tip. um and 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 i texted him and i said i said why didn't you tell me this is you know this could end terribly for me i mean if if it had if I hadn't noticed, which I'd, I'd rather hope I would have, it could have, I don't know, I could have got toxic shock or something. Um, or I could have been pregnant, but I have long acting contraception. And he texted me and was like, oh, sorry, I I didn't notice. And I'm like, yeah. I don't understand. How Just does the, the whole tip of the condom come up? Like, did he like, cut <laughs> the tip off? Like, was there a hole? You know what I'm imagining? It's like, 
everyone has that condom in their like wallet or their purse that has been there for like 10 years oh it's an and old he, condom he was so fucking, yeah he's like it was like never gets laid and he's just got an old condom it's like disintegrated and it just yeah the cock. top just ripped and off just the, tip, just the tip came off god yeah that's really odd she's a she's really good for using contraceptive though because let me tell you like as a northern slag when i've been drunk <laughs> having hookups i have i have been shit about wearing contraception so good for her for being stringent do you get mad at the guys for even suggesting it <laughs> when they're like no i want to feel all your underwhelming god take that condom off buddy <laughs> god damn it where do you think i'm from south london <laughs> i've already got all the diseases <laughs> sure you didn't so that could have ended terribly um but I, there's quite a lot of discourse at the moment on the on the pod about um foreskins yeah and i'm <laughs> racking my brains trying to think how i've ever encountered somebody who's been circumcised and i so don't bizarre. think i have they're rare I mean, what how, how over here it? they're rare it's like i said i've only encountered one in my time of my many many cocks and that was once so many cocks. So many cocks, so little time, David. And only one of them was cut. And his was um, cut because he was fucking huge. It wasn't like it was cut because he was a Jew or anything. Well, that's really weird. I guess I never thought about that. Yeah, I mean, it's probably a, a small fraction of the population gets, uh, gets Over here, it's just not a done or thing. Or maybe you haven't had sex with many Jews. anti Yeah, there's only like... There's only like five Jews in all of the British Isles, <laughs> and they all they all get married to other Jews. They don't want my Gentile pussy. Oh, so you don't have a chance to experience the pleasure of an uncircumcised <laughs> cock. The Jew claw. <laughs> On the odds, potentially, but nothing I can remember. Hmm. But I also haven't run into. I think I've run into smegma once, and that was. Oh, I find that surprising. Working, who. She was yeah, I feel I feel genuinely sick thinking about it. Um, there was a lot there, so I did go at him with a wet wipe because I wasn't putting my, even with a condom, I wasn't putting my mouth anywhere near that. You know. Wow. So you have a smegma wipe. You know that's probably something we could market. Sick and wrong smegma wipes. Well, what is it? I'm from the Ville. They have cum cleans. Well, cum cum cleans. Cum are... clean is real. I know, but they they got sponsored by them. But what so is like... the what is the cum clean? Is it for like? To... It's for both. I think it's to freshen up everything and to wipe but up. Is cum. it for before? or Is it after you've came? You wipe your dick off. You wipe the girl's vag off, and you go on your. I think it's way. for all of them. I think didn't Steel say that he still had like a box load of them? He still had T-shirts and shit. Yeah, he sent us some cum cleans. So you should know. Did you not use the cum cleans that your friend sent you? I don't remember what I did with it. No, I think Wackerly kept them. Now that oh I think right, about so it. we need to we need to ask Wackerly what he's doing the cum cleans. You know, That'll be a message. <laughs> I know you're listening from the bill right now, but did you get to the episode where we sent Steel the turd twister? I have not got to the turd twister. I'm kind of listening to them a bit out, out of order. I'm just going down and choosing like ones where the titles sound funny and just listening to them. Do you know what the turd twister is? No, but you can tell me. Well, you know how like uh, when you used to play with Play-Doh, you could put like a little star attachment and like push it down of and then it comes out looking like a star. But there's yes. these like little like butt plug attachment things you could shove in your ass. You shit through them in different shapes. Oh, really? Yeah, it's called the turd twister because it twists into different shapes. 
does does mine all steel use them? That's a good question for Steel next time he's on the show. I don't know if he ever used it. They talked, I mean, I know they talked about it on they the show, but I don't know if they ever hilarious. actually used it. I would like to know show. if that actually worked. Because would you, you'd obviously have to have the perfect type of turd to use that. Well, I think you have to also have like sphincter muscles and control. Like, I don't think. Which what neither of them would have. Is that what <laughs> no, you're saying? Are you saying but that mine I... and Steel don't have perfect sphincter control? I find that very rude. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I mean, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors that go into it. The consistency of the turd, your sphincter control, you know, the positioning of the uh, twister. There's a lot of things yeah. going on there. We'll, um, we'll have Steel back on, and we will ask him soon. But what I'm saying is, maybe sick and wrong should come out with smegma wipes. Smegma wipes. Yeah, we could come. Well, please. for all the northern slags, because I'm sure you you claim dubiously that you've never run into any for like smegma before um but i'm sure a lot of northern slags is like god damn it another conch with a bunch of smegma i've and told you, you what they do they just scrape it off and they put it in a tub and in the morning we just put that on our toast and it's an extra bit of protein That's yeah what but we what do. i'm saying is if you We're just had, like off. a sick and wrong smegma wipe you just be like hold on one second love yeah <laughs> and now it's nice and clean let's go you know, it's like, I think that could work. You sound like a Jack the Ripper victim then. <laughs> I have some, I do worry about the things that I put in my gob. Um, so. My gob. Yes. Oh, and, and recently Kate tried to do an impression of the Queen. And most impressions of the Queen should actually sound like this. I've not encountered many cocks that have been circumcised. <laughs> keep it sick and keep it wrong. <laughs> I'm going to cut that out as an intro for the show. That was amazing. That is how you should do a Queen's impression. I can't do the Queen. I like when Q, uh, when she does the um, psychopathia, when she says like really common words in her, in her like, like gob. Kind of and, but she has a she posh says, accent. Yeah. Yeah. Compared, definitely compared to me, she's got a posh accent. So I like it when she drops in the colloquial <laughs> words, like what the kids use. <laughs> I'm gonna think about this. I'm serious about sick and wrong smegma wipes. I'll uh, I'll give you my business plan next week. All right. Should Kate? we call them Northern Slags smegma wipes? Slag wipes. Slag wipes is pretty because yeah. slag wipes could also be for men and women. I actually think there is an audience for this. Can all I ask is this is like what I asked for on my EP. Can my face be on the front front of it? Of slag wipes, yeah, for oh, sure. Slag wipes, yeah, I'll I mean, totally be me going like. It's this. more attractive than my face. <laughs> <laughs> Your face can be on the back. Your face can be on the ass wipes. <laughs> People call us on hotline three two three five two two four zero three two. Um, we do have a Reddit page, people. A lot of stuff going on Reddit. I haven't been there in a little while, but uh, Kate set up the Reddit page. Uh, there's a few hundred people on there. Probably over lots 500 of good people. memes. Yeah, lots of good memes coming out daily from uh, all the lads and lasses there. Enjoying it, enjoying all your work. I'm sure people are going to put up some memes of my uh, nunchuck picture, I'm sure. Well, I, I started the You ball started making that. some of those memes. I appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, but there's a lot of gross shit. Uh, there's a lot of funny shit on the Sick and Wrong Reddit page. Just go to Reddit, do a search for r slash Sick and Wrong Podcast, no spaces. Check it out. 
Also, to all those people out there who have been listening to the show for many, many years, have been on for a long time, and if you're a big fan of the show and you want to find a way to show us some love, sign up for the Patreon, bro. Yo, bros. No, you know, that's the thing. Because a lot of podcasts, I remember before me, Wackily, were really against it. It was just like, and just ask, begging people for donations. Like, we're not trying to do a GoFundMe or something like that. Because we're going to do the show. We love doing the show. But it's really cool when people show us appreciation and uh, support us. It, to be honest, that's what keeps me going these days. I've been doing it so fucking long that I'm not going to keep doing it if I'm not making at least a little bit of money from it. Um, but yeah. also, it, it just shows me that people appreciate what we're doing. And that's cool. And, and because of this, that's why we're doing a lot more on Patreon than I've, we've ever done before. I mean, to be honest, you know, for only five bucks a month, you get an extra story. Uh, you get extra phone calls. You know, this week we played a call from a woman who might have met the rabbi in 2006 <gasps> oh, I, yes. in Ann Arbor. I've got to know the outcome of that. I have to. I, I want to know that, too. And then in the outtakes which was like about an hour and a little over an hour. I discuss in detail meeting my nephew Shmoley last week in, in uh, San Francisco. Um, you know, I refuse to hold him because he has a foreskin. Um, oh, are you that person? Now? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, don't put him near me. He's unclean. Um, <laughs> no, I'm joking. I held him. He's really cute. Although I was, I was very nervous. And uh, it, seems, it seems like Wackily is actually the real mommy. Well, he's very From maternal. All the pictures, he's very maternal. He's very maternal. I yeah. c- could not believe it. Wackily, Wackily could have just walked out with that kid and <laughs> gone off into the sunset with him. Wackily's gained a lot of weight during COVID. He's got like B cups, I would say. I think the kid <laughs> liked that. Um, but I go into detail about like hanging out with Wackily and uh, we had like a little like, get together. Also, uh, went out with Joe Kelly drinking in COVID San Francisco, which is fucking weird. Paid $18. For a well whiskey soda at a bar in the Mission. Anyway, we go into a lot of detail about stuff like that in the outtakes. That's all for five bucks. And for a few bucks more, then you get our sick and wrong news segment, which is our celebrity news segment, which, uh, and just weird news. Uh, this week we were talking about a woman with the world's longest fingernails. Uh, she cut them for the first Dis- time in 30 years. Disgusting. Yeah, Kate was freaked out about that. I was freaked out. I felt sick. It was like, yeah, it definitely pushed my gross buttons. We also got into a story with uh, EDM DJ Bass Nectar, who uh, was grooming teens for sex abuse by making them watch American Beauty, the movie American Beauty. Which I'm still intrigued by. Of all the films. <laughs> and then not only do you get Sick and Wrong News, uh, you also get our bonus episode, Sick and Wrong Overkill, which this week, uh, Kate prepared a whole thing. Um, I think it was more like like, I don't know, erotic. Um, it was Mengele Erotica. Yeah, Let's put it, Mengele yeah, Erotica. It was about Men- Nazis and their cruel experiments on Jews. Kate seemed a little too overzealous the whole time she went through talking about it. I was wondering what was going on over there. I heard a whirring noise, like a buzzing noise, like a, like something vibrating over there. I don't know what was going on. Anyway, yeah, there's a lot going on at the, yeah, the Patreon. So we appreciate your support. And uh, yeah, go check it out. Patreon.com slash sick and wrong. Also this week, there's like 10 sales going on in Public. The dude, the, the dude at Public, because now we have like an account manager. 
the guy like messaged me all the time to like promote stuff, like promote this the sales. Stone guy. But there's a fucking sale almost every week over there. So I'm like, yeah, dude, I'll, I'll post about it and we talk about it on the show. But sure, you, you don't have to fucking email me every week about your fucking sales. But there's a sale going on, all right, people? Just go to Patreon. Just to Patreon. Just go to cigaronpodcast.com slash shop. Click on the picture of the Pope. And uh, yeah, you can like buy some, some sick and wrong merch at a reduced cost. Uh, finally here, sick and wrong song of the week. Kate is gutted. Her favorite rapper, DMX, iconic hip hip hop artist behind the songs Party Up, Up in Here, died this past week at the tragic, tragically, at the young age of 50. He was only 50 years old. 50. I didn't even know he was 50 years old. I thought he was older than that. You know, four years old. DMX is only four years older than I am. I I had no idea. Yeah. Um, but he was a big rap star, you know, from the late nineties. Um, had quite a few hits. You know, uh, what was that song? X gonna give it to you. That's the only Deadpool. to be fair, over here, that is the only hit he's had. Oh, he was never big over there. What about up in Not here? To me. Up in here. That wasn't a big song. Was it was that him? I'm yeah, sure it was okay. played in all the Chevy clubs. Yeah. Um, right. but yeah, he had a uh, cardiac arrest earlier this week. He was on life support. Um and uh, yeah, and the, his relatives were by his side. And on Friday, Death April gave 5th, it to they, him. Uh, yeah, and they 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 cut off his life support. Uh, he had the you know he had a very raspy delivery. He's one of those raspy rappers, like Busta Rhymes, mystical, you know that type of thing. Didn't he have like eighteen kids? Fifteen children with 15 nine different buddy. women. What a shagger. Oh, my God. Think of, do you know what? He's probably glad to be dead because he doesn't have to pay palimony anymore. This is well, it. <laughs> you know, him. it's really funny, though. Um, so he earned, like, millions of dollars from his songs between, like, 2010 and 2015. Just in that period alone, $2.3 million, filed bankruptcy three times because uh, he didn't want to pay child support. <laughs> oh, what a dickhead. Oh, well, he's in the grave now. Oh, it's amazing. But yeah, you know, his uh, music was definitely, um, people People would recognize it just from the growls, the barks, and the what? I used to yeah. love that. Um, we're going to end the show here with my favorite DMX song, which I used to play at least once a night when I DJed the strip clubs. Um, now, it's a song that goes through my head when I see people canceling their Patreon subscriptions, saying okay. that they're not satisfied with the rewards. I'm like, what are these... What do these people want from a Jew, okay? Seriously, what do you want from a Jew? <laughs> I can I can empathize here with uh, DMX. Anyway, we're going to end this song here with What These Bitches Want featuring Cisco. It's a oh, DMX classic. Rest in peace, DMX. Want. You'll be missed. People will be back next week with uh, episode 787. Until then, take it Susie. Cisco. Yeah. What these bitches want from a nigga? What these bitches want from a nigga? Mm-hmm. What these bitches want from a nigga? I meet bitches, discreet bitches, street bitches, slash, cocoa puff, sweet bitches, make you wanna eat bitches, but not me. 
Y'all niggas eat off the plate all you want, but not D. Uh, I fuck with these hoes from a distance. The instant they start to catch feelings, I start to steal in their shit. Then I'm out just like a thief in the night. I sink my teeth in the bite. You thinking life, I'm thinking more like what's up tonight. Come on, ma, you know I got a wife. And even though that pussy tight, I'm not gonna jeopardize my life. Right? So what is it you want from a nigga? What? I gave you, you gave me. Bitch, I blazed you, you blazed me. Nothing more, nothing, nothing less. less. But you at my door, willing to confess that this is the best you ever tested. Right. Better than all the rest. I'm like, alright, girlfriend, hold up. I gave you what you gave me, boo. Enough. Just want from a nigga. Linda, Felicia, Dawn, LaShawn, Inez, and Alicia, Teresa, Monica, Sharon, Nikki, Lisa, Veronica, Karen, Vicky, Cookies. Oh, I met her in an ice cream parlor. Tanya, Diane, Lori, and Carla, Marina, Selena, Katrina, Sabrina, about three Kim, Latoya, Tina, Shelly, Bridget, Kathy, Rashida, Kelly, Nicole, Angel, Juanita, Stacy, Tracy, Rhonda and Rhonda, Donna, Yolanda, Tawana and Wanda. We're all treated fairly, but yet still. But this is all some other shit now that I'm fucking with you here. But I'ma keep it real. What the fuck you want from a nigga? What the fuck you want from a nigga? Didn't laugh. Yeah. See, now I do the math. I see if you got this uh-huh. and this and this. To some cats, that nigga's the shit. Uh-huh. And that's all they fucking with. But see, these bitches don't know. Uh-huh. If these bitches ain't for real, uh-huh. these bitches don't go. Uh-huh. Knock on the door, no show. Mm-hmm. I'm asleep trying to creep with your best friend. Put it in, Positor in the man's ass and then have him shit the eggs out. No, that's too far. Have him shit them out. Like, well, he wouldn't shit them out with shit. I'm just saying they'd come out of his ass. They're not, not with feces. 
No, no D. I don't want to. Don't want to do that. <laughs> but you're, you're okay. You just contradicted yourself because you're like, I'm good giving game. I said unless it involves shit or vomit. But there's no and shit. It's just the there egg. will be shit. There would be shit because <laughs> he's shitting a, them out of his ass. There's an egg just coming out of his ass. Into Things what? Can... Into my hand <laughs> or mouth? Like... But. <laughs> <laughs> They're all like it's like jello. What do you call jello over there? Jelly? Yeah, jelly. Yeah, they look like they're like squidgy. Like, they do yeah, look it's squidgy. It's like a little jelly, little jelly egg. Like one of those stress balls. Um, yeah, be like a little jelly a egg you can, you can eat. <laughs> I'm actually allergic to eggs. so um... No, but it'd be a jelly. It's an egg made of jelly. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm just, no. <laughs> I don't want to watch a man shit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to okay. I don't want to sh- see him shit logs, and I don't want to see him <laughs> shit jelly eggs. People it's all on, the same. People on uh, the YouTube's, is the man shitting, or is he just passing a jellied egg out of his <laughs> anus? I think there's a difference. There's a distinction there. It's still if if something is coming out of your asshole, is that it is always an object, shit? You have to shit it out. It's the act of shitting. And he's shitting it out. It's shit. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Kate is so close-minded. <laughs>